0: preview for ufc 284 makachev versus volkanovsky i'm your host ben duffy of suredog.com with me as always is keith Schillen, the executive producer of the suredog radio network keith how are you doing today i'm doing excellent man how you doing brother i'm doing pretty well uh for a big pay-per-view card like we have coming up this saturday one with two title fights at the top uh yep you know a lot of goodies it's always nice to have a little bit of a famine beforehand to build your appetite up for it i mean you and i both come from like the early 2000s days where you had three months to think about the next pay-per-view card and just get all that in your head we don't have that but in ufc vegas 68 we had the next best thing to a famine as that was one (laughs) of the more forgettable (laughs) ufc fight night cards in recent memory uh you know of course, it happened in the middle of the night because yeah, it was supposed to take place in Korea. That yeah. didn't end up uh, playing out. But uh, at any rate, I was already looking forward to this card by the middle of last week. How about you?
1: Yeah, it's a good – It's so if, if I want to give it a letter grade, I'm only giving it a C. Yeah, I give it a C because it, to me it feels like a boxing card. And what I mean by that is it's got a really good high – main event is as, as good of a main event that they can make but the rest of the card is it's pretty shallow for a pay-per-view uh in fairness a, a couple fights fell through that then made it weaker like i know they originally ufc was trying to get rob whitaker and, and and paul acosta on this card that obviously is a, would be that's definitely a Main card type bout probably third from the top. Yeah. So that fell through and a couple uh, of fights. Yeah. Fell
0: Tycar of France was supposed to be on this one, which would have been a high-level fight and another uh you know, New guys. Zealander. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that that kind of falls through. If the main event something happens, and guys, I'm, I'm knocking wood. Don't blame me if something happens. Something happens in the main event. Islam Makshev doesn't make wage, something, something crazy happens.
0: Yeah.
1: This is this card's enough. So that's why, but the main event is so high. It's like, it's like that like super nerdy kid who brings up the average of everybody else in the class. Oh yeah. Uh, That's what I think this does.
0: I, I agree. And on that topic, the main event here, Islam Makachev defending his UFC lightweight title against featherweight champ, Alexander Volkanovsky. Where does this rank among the highest level fights in MMA history, like in terms of the current standing and skill level and achievements of the fighters that are fighting. Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, so, yeah, it, it it really goes down to what you're saying, like skill wise. I mean, it, it's got to be, it's got to be right up there. Because if you ask me, you know, what fight was I most excited about? Yeah, I mean, the hoopla with with Habib and and, and Connor, like that got me. I mean, that was really big. Even though I knew Habib was going to maul him, but. Uh, you know, I think about Fedor and crocop the fight of the century. That was way up there. Uh, I even think about like over-hyped fights, Kotor, Liddell three, Tito and Shamrock, the first fight. Like these, like you know, and there's probably a whole bunch of them. Yeah. If I'm thinking about overall skills and and where they are in the rankings, and, and I know someone will say, oh, you know, top two guys in pound for pound, this listen you know, whatever that it's the most skilled. The only other fight that I can think of where I was like, wow, like this is really the two best guys is probably St. Pierre and, and BJ Penn too. When, when BJ mm-hmm. Penn was moving up and um me John Jones, when they were fighting each other, that yeah. was like another one that I was like, wow, these, these are two, probably the greatest light heavyweights ever, or, you know, mm-hmm. um, also Cormier when he went up to fight Stevie me. I think that's another one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I think this fight is unbelievable. I think we have two of the best fighters. I think on on, I I think the promotion of this, and, and I know Makachev and Volkanovsky kind of kind of a little bit. Like this is as good of a fight you can possibly ever make in history, and you're not putting any promotion. I I really think the UFC yeah, dropped the ball.
0: I I agree, and it, it's strange and. I I love uh, your list that you threw out there. The only things I'd add in there would be uh, Nunes versus Cyborg. Oh, yeah. yeah, And then it it kind of snuck up on us because it wasn't like a cross-divisional super fight. But, I mean, when we look back on the fact that Davis and Figueredo and Brandon Moreno fought each other four times, (laughs) 10 years from now, we're going to be like, dude, we were spoiled. Why were we sick of that?
1: Absolutely. (laughs) But but,
0: but because they came up in the same division, it didn't have that super fight feel. Just, yeah. But... I I agree. This is the quietest, all-time great matchup to sneak up on us that that I can remember. These guys are the UFC's number one and number two pound-for-pound fighters. Yeah. They're, I think, both in Sherdog's top five. Like, Volkanovsky's our number one. And without looking, I think Makachev is in the top five as well.
1: Yeah, and that's because, you know, I no one loves the Sherdog rankings more than I do, but we, we have it wrong. Mark's just should be number two.
0: I think I argued for it. I
1: think I got overruled, but
0: I I can see that because I mean the way he beat Oliveira, I think he kind of picks up all of all of Oliveira's scalps.
1: Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it, it, if if some dude like it, I think about like the 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 beginning of uh, the Batman movie where they were robbing banks and then you like you shoot the other robber uh-huh. and you get his share. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like that. Like he he shot with the other robber.
0: I I completely agree because the way he beat Oliveira, it's like, but you don't think he's going to, he could do that to Poirier or Gaethje or Tandler or any of, you know? Yeah. 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 I'm with you on that. Anyway.
1: But it's very (laughs) simple. The winner of this fight is going to be number one in the rankings on. on, on, No question. Yeah. This week, at the end of the week, number one in the rankings. This guy That's So this is what I'll say. If someone, you know, is this the greatest fight ever made on paper? I don't know if that is. But if someone wants to argue with it, I'm like, I'm not arguing against it. Yeah.
0: I mean, offhand, the only thing that would sweeten this a little bit more is if it weren't Makachev's first title defense.
1: Yeah. If he had like a long run. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Or, you know, uh, but right now the time is the time for Volkanovsky. So yeah, so absolutely. And, and he's the one that's making the ballsy move to move up. He's the, you know, so this is happening on his time schedule and I'm, I'm a okay with that.
1: Yeah, I, I that's a thing I feel like the, the UFC's not making more of. Now, you think about the so, all right, let me ask you this question. And, and right now, if you are ranking the greatest fighters of all time, where's Volkanovski rank? And am I'm saying like give me the exact number, but give me the ballpark.
0: He's in he's in the top 10. Yeah. Um
1: if Alec Volkanovski wins this fight, he's the he's on the Mount Rush for, for me.
0: Top 4? To yeah. But he I he
1: is like Kim Jones, GSP and Anderson Silva maybe or DJ or some like He's he's in he's he's in that club.
0: He is like all of a sudden you're like, well, does he elbow out Jose Aldo? Does he elbow out Anderson Silva? Exactly.
1: Yeah, like he's in that category. If he wins this, he's already knocking on that door, anyways. Yep. But he's he's kicking the door right down if yeah. he wins this fight.
0: If if he was twenty five and zero instead of twenty five and one, I think we'd already be talking about him in the top three because of that you know meaningless loss That's at welterweight right. in like his third mm-hmm. fight. Yeah. If, if you think about.
1: The guys that we were just talking about who he joins the list with, he's doing something that these guys weren't willing to do in his prime. He's willing to go up and fight up class against a pound for pound great. I mean, Demetrius Johnson wasn't willing to do it when Dominic Cruz and, and TJ Dill show with the top dogs. Anderson Silva wouldn't do when John Jones was topped off. wait John Jones is finally moving up to heavyweight, but it, you know, it took forever. George, George St. Pierre never did it when Anderson Silva. I mean, that was yep. that would have been the fight. If George St. Pierre went up before Anderson Silva, that would be my answer to this question. Yes. But they weren't willing to do it. Alec Volkanovsky is willing to do it. Now, I know people say, well, Henry Sudo did it, and DJ did it, and BJ Penn did it. And I, I understand other people have yeah. done that. But of, of the guys we're talking about, it's only Alex Volkanovsky
0: agreed i mean penn had less to lose because penn his great was greatness was never built on like a 10 fight win streak no you know so uh he had nothing he had nothing to lose and everything to gain by going big game hunting and saying i'm going to go you know beat up george st pierre on beer and hot dogs uh and we love him for trying
1: <laughs> i feel like it's the. the i see i throw some random reference i don't know why i thought of this but i was thinking about, you ever watched the wire
0: I haven't. You've told me I have to. Oh, my God. It's the greatest uh, show that I've never it's watched. The greatest
1: TV show. I, it's, I think it's number one. It's, it's So, anyways, I'm going to give you a little spoiler. It's not a big spoiler, but there was, like, a guy who robs drug dealers.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And one scene, he, like, he would rob, like, smaller uh, gangs. But there was, like, the one gang, the uh, Stringer Bell, Barksdale, Avon Barksdale gang. That was, like, the gang of 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 uh, Baltimore he only wanted to rob them and everyone's like dude what are you doing it's so easier like that's Volkanovski Volkanovski is like the Omar of of the UFC I once learned like hey Alec Volkanovski like don't go after these guys you you can rip and run everybody else what are you doing he's the Omar so like he needs to come down whistling Farmer in the Dell and that's shout out to all the the wire fans
0: right I'm gonna have to watch the he's the greatest TV show ever Get at me in the comments if you think I'm an idiot for not having number watched one. the wire yet. Don't come and
1: don't come at me. It's number one. Yeah, there's not a TV show in history, and I've not seen every TV show in history, but one of I've seen is number one.
0: Uh, this, the I mean, it is the best of cards. It is the worst of cards. We just spent a, probably a good five or eight minutes talking about where Makachev versus Volkanovsky ranks among the all-time matchups, and then that same main card has Justin Toffa versus Parker Porter, yeah. which, dude, I'm, I'm thinking about it, and I was thinking about it while I was researching this card. I think it might be the worst matchup you can make at heavyweight right now between two people who haven't fought each other yet.
1: <laughs> yeah, might be. Might be. It's going to be like a two-hour show. I want to spend an hour of it talking about the main event.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm here for it. You ready to <laughs> dig into these prelims?
1: Yeah,
0: that's it. First fight out of the gate at UFC 284 is a lightweight matchup between Zabira Takugov and Elvis Brenner Oliveira, whom we will call Elvis Brenner from now on. Takugov, the 32-year-old Chechen, is 25 and one overall. He is five two and one in the UFC. Uh, he is two one and one. Since 2019, he came back in 2019 from a three and a half year absence from the sport that we'll talk about in a minute. And since then, he has a draw against Leron Murphy, a win over Kevin Aguilar, a loss to Hakeem Dawadu, and a win over Ricardo Hamos. That was back at UFC 267. He beat Hamos by unanimous decision. And he's been out for, um, what is that, another 15, 18 months since then, almost. So, uh as is the case for most of his UFC career. The story here is another long layoff for Tokugov at age 32. He's going to try to give this thing one more run. He is at lightweight rather than featherweight where uh, he spent the bulk of his UFC career or tried to and standing in his way will be Elvis Brenner. The 25 year old Brazilian will be making his UFC debut. He is 13 and three overall. Uh, he comes in on a two fight win streak though those uh two wins come across like the last almost two and a half years uh both of them in mid-level brazilian promotions as you might expect from the relative pedigrees of these two guys to currently the biggest favorite on the card he is minus 550 brenner plus 375. Uh, i mean i dug in and watched at least some of all of Brenner's available fights and all of a couple of them as a striker. The good thing about his striking is I, he throws a wide variety of strikes. He throws plenty of kicks, including some spinning stuff, step in and jumping knees, not a whole lot of power. And I don't think it's because he lacks physical strength. He just doesn't put a whole lot of, he always looks like he's throwing at 80%. And that's I mean, that's all kind of beside the point because what he really wants is to get his fights to the ground. He's definitely a grappling specialist. And my problem in watching him is he can't get the fights, he can't get fights to the ground on his terms. Uh he has a terrible shot from outside. I mean, I just said his punches and kicks look like they're 80%. So does his shot. He just kind of flings himself at, at dudes' waists. And with bad fighters, it's enough to get him down. With better fighters, it hasn't been and his last couple of losses, um, like Gabriel Santos and Denise Silva, both just kind of pancaked his takedown attempts, got him on his back. And while he's a good grappler, just, you know, in the 2020s, trying to win all your fights from your back is just not a recipe for for high level success. And against Tekugov, who at his best is a sharp, nasty striker with good takedown defense. I think this is just a poisonous matchup. For Brenner, I think he's going to get starched, probably in the first round to round and a half. My question is, how much Tukhov has left? Because in 2016, he was one of the hottest prospects in the featherweight division. You know, he had kind of—I I mean, he's Chechen and they're Dagestani, but he had the in thing of being kind of running with uh, Khabib and, and his group. Yeah. Anytime but, you can beat up Conor McGregor, you're, I mean, you're you're a star. Well, here you go. This is almost Tukhov's <laughs> last chance. To make himself fa- like because right now he is most famous for a punch he landed not in a sanctioned fight yeah if he doesn't want to go down it. as the guy who sucker punched conor mcgregor he's got to kind of step on it now uh and even before the mcgregor suspension that got him yanked from his fight with artem lobov he he was already well on his way to completing the hat trick of ufc fight withdrawals he's had a drug failure suspension he has a, had a blown weight cut that caused the fight to be canceled on fight week And he's had multiple injuries that have had him off for a year or more. I mean, the guy's been in the UFC for like eight years and he has eight fights. Uh, It's just he's a talented fighter. At least the last time we saw him, he's still like physically a a plus athlete with good power. But he's running out (laughs) of time. And Dylan Dennis right now being like, why is he so busy? (laughs) (laughs) Dylan Dennis is... You know, if he if he fought at 149 pounds and just waited for the UFC to find people in between their weight classes, you know he could be a lot more relaxed. Uh, my biggest worry about this fight is that Tukhugov is just going to thrash Brenner, and we're not going to learn anything about either guy. And that's kind of what I'm predicting here. Give me Tukhugov by first round knockout, and you know the 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 wheel continues to turn.
1: Yeah, the, the bigger question for this fight is if you're the UFC and you're going back to Perth and you're bringing in a guy by the name of Elvis who's a submission specialist, why would not you call him the oh. king of rock and rumble, Elvis oh Cinetech, Australia's own. Come on, <laughs> UFC, drop on the ball, king of rock and rumble. And uh, I mean, know, I don't know middle. if you've seen
0: him, but… Elvis Sinisic is in a kind of shape he never was during his fight career. That dude is jacked now. <laughs>
1: yeah, he's had like a little like uh, Chuck Liddell, like pot belly yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, what, like, what Connie used to call Nate, like, what do you Skinny fat? Skinny fat?
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> um, uh, Tukagov, I mean, he's well rounded. He, he, he does carry his hands a little low for my liking, uh, but that's because he likes to slip in, in, in rip. He's a pressure counter striker that lands at different angles. He's a nice, sharp up jab. Uh, his left hook is his best strike. He he loops it over his opponent's straight right, which I like. I mean, it's it's dangerous, but when it lands, it's always like they don't see it coming. Uh, plus power, extremely good wrestler. He chain wrestles really well, explodes through your hip kind of guy, cuts the corner well. Uh, that said, I was surprised how he struggled to take down Ricardo Hamas. I've, I've been leaving that in my <laughs> notes. Uh, but I think that, like I said this last time, I think that says more about Ricardo Hamas than, than it does about Tugerov. Good top game, good control. Good ground and pound. He has gassed out in the in the pass, um, but again, I think that's uh, just like an outlier than than what it is. Uh, Brennan, he's only 25, so I like that. Uh, he does need some more seasoning, though. He's a bit flat-footed. He has tons of defensive flaws. He backs straight up. He keeps his chin high in the air. He pulls his head straight back. He lacks head movement. He hates being pressured. Uh, he does throw a lot of combinations like that. He's got decent pop. He will wrestle. He likes like upper body takedowns. Uh, good. Get into the scrambles, kind of like a funk style wrestler, where he's he's you you're not a your powerful guy. He's more uh, get a scramble happen and see what happens. Uh, hard ground and pound. He's a as you mentioned, he's a serious submission. He's got 11 subs. Um, he can get subs off his back, but he's on his back a lot because he's a weak defensive wrestler. He struggles to get back up. Uh, but I do like that I've seen him fight like hard 15 minutes in very grappling heavy matchup, and so he's got pretty good cardio. Uh, Brennan's a fun action fighter, but I think this is a terrible stylistic matchup. I think Tukov is miles ahead of him. i see everywhere. Other than maybe a straight jujitsu match. Uh Tukov's gonna be, I think he can win on the on the ground. I think he wins on the feet. I think he starches him on the feet. I think he he lands a big shot. I think he follows up with some good shots on the ground. So I kind of like a drop him with a shot and then finish up with some ground and pound. Give me Tukov by first round TKO.
0: We head now to the men's featherweight division for a matchup between Shane Young and the debuting Blake Builder. Young, the 29 year old New Zealander, is 13 and 6 overall. He is 2 and 3 in the UFC. He's currently on a two fight losing streak, uh, those being a first round head kick knockout loss to Ludovic Klein at UFC 253 back in 2020. Then, uh, a unanimous decision loss to Omar Morales at UFC 260 back in March of 2021. He steps in now after almost two full years off and looks to get back on track against Builder. The 32-year-old uh, Minnesota native is 7-0-1 undefeated as a pro. Uh, He comes to the UFC by way of Dana White's contender series, where he choked out Alex Morgan last August. And previous to that, he was the uh, CFFC featherweight champ. Odds here, despite Builder's positive momentum, despite Young's long absence and losing streak, uh, Young is the slight favorite here. He's minus 135, Builder plus 105 as the underdog. Uh, Keith, two things surprised me in getting ready to talk about this fight one how long Shane Young has been gone and just man two years passed by like that it must be an old old man thing I don't know like but the other thing is kind of really I, yeah I, I you were you were uh really waiting on Shane Young to return no uh, I thought I, I was I was waiting I was just like Has it even been a year? And I'm like, oh, my goodness, it's been two. Uh, Um, That's all.
1: Honestly, it's felt like forever for me. Like, just waiting on Shane Young. That's what I just did. Yeah, okay.
0: (laughs) Keith's got, like, some candles in front of a little, like, shrine to Shane Young somewhere in in his house. Like, that's just off camera. You you can see his family. And then, like, the Shane Young section is just, you know, off to the side there. Uh, And then the other thing, just kind of for a – For a prospect of his moderate apparent upside, kind of how much Shine Blake Builder has gotten. Uh, I mean, the the guy has been showing up in kind of interviews saying, yeah, I'm going to be in the UFC one day since like his second pro fight. And part of that is, you know, being in CFFC where, you know, uh, John Morgan has interviewed him a bunch of times, but he doesn't lack for confidence. The guy knows how to cut a promo. I mean, this is a guy who, when he won on the Contender Series, bought a Rolex. Like, that says, about how that. <laughs> like <laughs> that says something about how you think you're going to do. That says something about how you think you're going to do in, in you your own. Get, uh, I, need, I just
1: need to provide for my family, feed my kids, not this guy. Yeah, like, yeah. Like, <laughs> screw, screw those kids. <laughs> I roll Uh,
0: I mean, talk to me a little bit of, about Blake Builder. I mean, tell me how you think this fight will go, but he's a guy that clearly the, the boisterous personality the the patty the connor type thing is there if he can keep winning fights
1: Uh, i hope he wins perth to come back with like a kangaroo or something (laughs) like a golden boomerang or something uh (laughs) yeah i didn't know you bought a roller that's fantastic i I honestly i know i mean as a as a disciple of dave ramsey a shout out to all the dave ramsey listeners uh, I I wouldn't suggest that, man. Cash is king, my brother. Uh, pay those bills. <laughs> go through the baby steps. But uh, yeah, <laughs> do you think, man? You gotta look good. Got to know what time it is, especially when you're in, especially when you're in Perth. You know the yeah. time change. So that, you know, um, yeah. <laughs> you, you you threw me a loop on that one. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Shane Young, uh, uh, the long lost love, young. Uh, I. I, I I think he's better than his record shows. He he fights at a high high pace. It's a bit of like a controlled pressure, busy jab. I love he just touches and waits for an opening. When the opening is there, he he, he unloads. Uh, he sits on his punches. He, he he's strong in the pocket. Uh, throws a lot of combos. I, I like that his he mixes in his combinations like body shots and head shots, and that's just head hunting. Uh, I'd say he lacks overall power. Uh, defensively, he's got some some skills. Strong head movement. Um, but he does get hit a lot because he moves forward, but like his overall head moves is pretty good. Uh good offensive wrestler doesn't look for And en- I mean, he does wrestle, but um, he's like, he's an Australian wrestler. Like, <laughs> like they, I mean, it, it, yeah, he's not going to out wrestle, uh, you know, top guys uh, pretty weak defensively. Uh, Bill is 32 years old already. So I don't like that, uh, but skills on the feet is boxer. He moves a lot of movement moves. Well, uh, he moves and he, he bob and weaves and stuff, and he kind of rolls with the punches. Um, he keeps everything tight, what I do like. He pills a lot, what I don't like. But his punches um, are short shots, which I do like. He's got some good pop. He's been hurt a lot. He's been dropped. I go back to like, his, his last fight in CFC CFFC. CFC, he was dropped, uh, I think, two times in the first round. So so don't like that, especially stick it, taking a step up, which I don't know if Shane Young is a big step up from, from – the cfc but i mean just overall in his long term of, of the ufc uh but everything i say about his feet is it's re- I and mean, he also has he's he's got some pretty good calf kicks but he doesn't check calf kicks which i which i don't like but everything he does is to get the fight to the ground he's a really good grappler really slick back takes we saw it on the contender series we've seen it in cfc CFFC. uh he's got four submission wins including one on on the contender series uh i i think it's a really hard fight to call uh, even though I said I, you know, I think these guys are. I said Young, I think is better than his record, shows and, and builder. You know, Mister Rolex. Uh, I still see like lower UFC talents. I, I kind of like their styles. I think we're gonna have a back and forth war, but because I see an advantage on the ground with a newcomer where he can end the fight with a submission at any time, uh, I feel more comfortable taking him. I don't know if he's gonna get a submission, so I'll take Builder. I'll say it's a war, and I'm gonna say Builder wins by split decision.
0: All right yeah i i like that uh breakdown a lot especially of of builder's skills uh you know we just finished talking about elvis brenner and my problem with with brenner is that obviously he's a guy that wants to fight on the ground and doesn't seem to have a reliable way to get it there like just i I don't think his offensive wrestling is that great builder doesn't have that problem like he's got a pretty good entries uh know, i don't know what his wrestling background is but uh you know uh Good entries, good finishing. Uh, chain wrestles pretty well, and yeah, he's heavy on top when he gets when he gets a guy down. Just very good at advancing position, threatening with submissions without without risking losing his position. Just a methodical grappler. He he on the ground, he comes across more confident and composed than a guy with his relatively few uh, uh, professional fights w- would seem to indicate. I'm. I've gone back and forth on this one, and I've been leaning towards Builder. If this fight were taking place and Shane Young had fought six months ago, even off those losses to Klein and Morales that we saw, I'd feel more comfortable taking Young, but I just don't know what he's going to look like almost two full years after that, that loss to Morales. Builder is the guy with momentum. He's the guy that we've seen more recently. Obviously he's riding high on the confidence. Uh, you know, he, you know, D- Dave Ramsey just got a nosebleed wherever he is as this guy bought a Rolex, presumably against the assumption that he's going to win his UFC debut, which just yeah. it sounds like. Make sure,
1: make sure we put hashtag like Dave Ramsey in the, uh, in okay. the dollar. We get some more get some more bumps in the
0: clicks. <laughs> we'll get a reaction video from him where the stills just like him going like this, like he does it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: The cover, the cover will be a picture of Dave Ramsey. That'll be our cover. For
0: yeah, the like, Dave, Dave just like pulled his glasses off. And he's like <laughs> <laughs> um, not a whole lot of confidence in this one. If if Young is able to just use his footwork and piece Builder up from range, I won't be that shocked. I think he's a more skilled overall fighter, but I'm going with the more known quantity here. Give me Builder by decision as well. And uh, that should be one hell of a post-fight uh, interview he cuts there. I hope so. <laughs> Side question. Is Robert Whitaker the best Australian MMA wrestler in the history of the sport? Oh, that's like saying um, – are we, are, we, are we live right now? Or yeah, we're live. I'm, I'm okay. I don't know on the end talking. Of the segment. No, yeah.
1: No, I'm glad I stopped myself before what I was going to say. Uh, um, <laughs> I mean, I guess. I mean, that's – it's. It, I mean – who wrestles from australia
0: i mean I if it's not him
1: Volkanovski wrestles a little bit
0: Volkanovski is up there i mean if it's not like, Volkanovski,
1: i feel like his check it like every answer like check the box check the box yeah like volkanovsky uh i mean tyson pedro wrestles a little bit i don't know
0: dude it ain't tyson Pedro, but like I don't, if it's I don't not know, one I'm of sure them I, it's literally someone like chris hayesman from like 1999 yeah it might be. Who was yeah like mopping <laughs> shit up you know and that just because he was a big, strong dude when yeah, not yeah, a whole yeah. lot of fighters were, yeah.
1: Good, good, good throwback, Chris Hayesman. Nice stuff. Okay. That's why you're the best of the best. I, I have my moments. I don't know. I, I, I mean, it probably is what it, I mean. I'm sure there's somebody we're not thinking of.
0: I'm I'm Still. sure there is. Oh, who's
1: was that? Uh, a wrestler. What are the judo guy?
0: Uh, Anthony Parash? Huh? Anthony Parash?
1: No, no, so, no, 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 no. no. He's like an old. Oh man. no, no, the,
0: the old uh, Dan. Yeah, 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 and not Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn was the crazy guy. Dan, yeah, that guy. Well, anyway, that guy.
1: Yeah, I know he didn't really like wrestle, but he had some judo throws here and yeah. there, and he actually went on a nice, like, decent run for an old man.
0: Oh yeah, he was like dad bod Misha Serkinov for oh, a year or two there. Name? Yeah, Dan Kelly. Dan Kelly. Thank you. Yes.
1: Yeah. <laughs> give it to Dan. you know what? robin Wittke has got enough accolades. We'll give it to Dan Kelly.
0: There you go. <laughs> Dan Even though he's like judo and Dan Kelly. Yeah. Either that or George Sotteropoulos when he's allowed to wear his grappling spats. Like, yeah, <laughs> like it, all t- taped up from like ankle. Someone sounds to
1: be like, hey, uh, didn't uh, Rob Whitaker qualify for the Australian Commonwealth Games? It's like, yeah, that's really like me qualifying for the backyard, like, like horseshoes tournament from Coventry, Rhode Island. Like, yeah,
0: <laughs> it's, it's no Kentucky judo federation. Yeah. <laughs> Next up, the Strawweights take the cage, as it is Konklak Supasara, whom we will call Loma Lukbunmi from now on, versus Elise Reed. Decorated striker, crossed over to MMA, has had solid but not spectacular results thus far in MMA. We've, we've kind of seen where she hits her ceiling yeah. or, or hits the wall. She's 27. I mean, she's not like the bubbly 22-year-old that we saw in, in Invicta a, a few years back. Uh, does she win here? Like, does she justify those almost three to one uh, odds? And uh, is there a route into the top 10 for her or is she just too limited?
1: Um, well, one thing we used to always say about her is, is how undecided she was for the weight class. I mean, she's really an animal weight and she wasn't a big at weight. But if you see her lately, she's put some size. Now, obviously, she's not uh, vertically getting bigger, but she's, she's getting bigger horizontally. And I don't mean that in an insulting way. Like, she's getting thicker. She's putting on some some muscle on her frame i mean she's uh so that's the best that she could do so she's not undersized she's a really good striker i mean she's a muay thai specialist with fast hands really underrated power really quick kicks her teeth kick up the middle is is her like her go-to or and butter uh she likes to battle in the clinch i mean i go back to the jenny fry fright where she just like battered jenny fry in the clinch uh she's really good at like creating a little bit of space framing landing small shots uh, strong knees, strong elbows, very like that traditional Muay Thai style. Uh, she has improved her wrestling like dramatically. I mean, she got four takedowns against Sam Hughes and four takedowns against Denise Gomez in the last fight. Uh, she was taken down four times against Lupe Codinez, but like that's Lupe's game. Like she's a power wrestler, uh, not really Le- Elise Reed style. Uh, Reed, on the other hand, she's a pressure striker. I like her volume, uh, uh, very tight, very uh, technical boxing, stiff jab. I'd say she's got some pretty good zip on her power shots. Her straight right is is her best punch. Um, she lacks like one punch ending power. And again, I mean she's a straw weight, but that happens. But I would say that for. Fighters in the division. She's she's one of the harder hitters in the division, I think, or, or one of the sneakier hitters in the division. Uh, she's got some big defensive holes, though. She does keep her chin high in the air. Uh, she's open to calf kicks due to her very like traditional boxing style. Uh, go back to the Melissa Martinez fight. Martinez like just kicked her legs out. Just kept, kept kicking her legs out. Uh, she will get in the clinch and grind in there, and that's because she's she's a, she's like a very gritty type, type fighter. Uh, she does need to learn how to pummel a little bit better. It's not like her natural thing for her. her her offensive wrestler has improved. And she had hit some trips on Melissa Martinez in the last fight, which I like uh, some good ground and pound. Uh, she, I, I always go back to the fight where she was almost submitted by Hilly Rose, which I mean, again, I'm, I'm going with almost. So it is what it is, but like, I've never been high in Hilly Rose at all. So uh, it didn't really look that good. She's a weak defensive wrestler. Overall, uh, really struggles to get back up to her feet. And like going back to the Sam Hughes fight, she showed no urgency to get back up, but that's what's even more concerning. Uh, I think Elise Reed is better than most people do, but that said, this is not the matchup for her. This is a terrible stylistic matchup for her. Lomer is way too fast for her on the feet. I think she brutalizes her with light kicks. I think if Reed wants to get to the clinch where she, she feels a little comfortable, that's Lomer's like field, too. I think Loma beats up there. I think Loma dominates or we might even get a 10-8 round in the a. Uh give me Loma by decision, you know, like a one-sided shellacking.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm with you here. And you mentioned that you know you were a little higher on Elise Reed than uh, some other observers. I'm included among them. Like I I have I will freely admit that I've underestimated Reed. In fact, I think I picked against Reed in all four of her UFC bouts and she's two and two, so this would normally be the point where I come around and start overcompensating the other way, but this ain't the fight for that to happen. Cause I agree with you that this is a bad matchup for Reed. Uh as a boxer who's susceptible to leg kicks, she's not going to be comfortable in boxing range against Loma because Loma just mixes, just tacks on the those low kicks just effortlessly, uh along with her punching combinations she is somebody that you mentioned like she's becoming more comfortable as an offensive wrestler but in my observation her safety valve when she doesn't like what's happening on the feet is to try and force the clinch that is not a happy place against loma either so yeah all of her all of her tendencies turn into worse tendencies against someone like loma and just looking at loma lawumi the, the people who've beaten her in the in, in the ufc they did it by doing things that, that Elise Reed has not demonstrated she can do. I mean, Hill managed to outdo Loma in the clinch, but obviously Loma would destroy uh, Angela Hill in a straight up Muay Thai match. I mean, she's a former world champ, whereas Angela Hill is a good Muay, Muay Thai striker for MMA. Yeah. But but at the time, Hill was just a little bigger, a little stronger, and much, much, much more experienced in fighting in a cage. Uh, and it just was too much for Loma at that time. And then Lupe Godinez where... There's almost nobody at Star White that can do that like like she can. Like just physically ragdolling people like uh, Loopy does. I mean, that's something that Jessica Andrade could do if she decided she just wanted to wrestle all the time. But aside yeah. from that, like it's it's kind of Loopy's thing. Um, yeah. And neither of those things are are things that Elise Reed is, is going to do. So I, I agree. This is going to be a, a wood chipper fight. I don't know if we get a finish. Just finishes via strikes are kind of rare at 115 unless you are Jessica Andrade or Li Zhang and and have that one-shot power. But uh, yeah, Elise Reed's going to look like she spent... She's going to look like she got hit by a car. Like She's going to keep trying to hang in boxing range with Loma, get her legs chewed up. She forces the clinch. She's going to get battered. Uh, I'm with you. Lopsided decision for Loma here. Next up, we head to the men's featherweight division once again for the first of two. Australia versus New England fights on this card, so we might as well just skip uh, <laughs> skip Keith's part entirely because we know which way he's going. It is the debuting Jack Jenkins versus Don Shanice. Jenkins, the 29 year old Australian, is 10 and two overall. Uh, he comes to the UFC through Dana White's Contender Series, where he knocked out Freddie Linares last September, and prior to that, he was on he was on a seven fight win streak, and he is the Outgoing eternal MMA featherweight champ. He will look to make a successful UFC debut against Sheanus, who is still looking for his first UFC win. The 31-year-old from Stoughton, I, I remember now, you corrected me because I said Stoughton when we talked about his last fight. It's Stoughton, uh, <laughs> formerly of Glory MMA and fitness. I don't know where he trains now, but presumably not there. He is 12 and 4 overall. He is 0-1 in the UFC. Uh, he made a short notice debut against Sadiq Youssef last October at UFC Fight Night Dern versus Jan, which, yeah, that sounds like some rough sledding for your UFC debut. And uh, sure enough, he got guillotined in just 30 seconds. So, Gets a mulligan on that one, gets another shot here, but against the fairly highly regarded prospect in Jenkins, he is once again a whopping underdog. Jenkins right now minus 320. Shane is plus 240. Uh, Keith, (laughs) Stoughton's finest. Yeah, Yeah, he's not that bad.
1: Jeez. (laughs) It's like Jay Ellis out there, you know, New England's own Jay Ellis. Man, that's who he's training with now, man. That's why. Maybe he he
0: lost his part. Hey, let me call him Jay. Let's see what Jay's doing. He's like, I was at the bus stop, you know, like, and you then suddenly Jay Ellis was like, "Hey, you want to spar?"
1: Yeah. yeah, Jake is not that good. They're like they're acting like, "Oh, he he lost James Krause, and he's like." he's 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 training Yeah, he's from boston so he's training with the guy that uh uh, matt damon beat up in goodwill hunting like (laughs) (laughs) tracked him down hey remember me from kindergarten (laughs) like that's that's uh don shanis's training partner it's not
0: even that it's like the the ponytailed harvard guy that he like uh checks in the bar
1: (laughs) yeah how do you like them apples yeah uh
0: oh Anyway, right. talk to me about this fight, man. <laughs> okay, uh, Shanus.
1: Yeah, I don't even remember. I, I don't mind him. I th- no. I do think he's like we asked this question before. Like, is this guy UFC talent? And I'm like, yeah, well, you know, no and yes, like he's as good as the lowest guys. He's also as bad as guys who are in the regional scene that could be in the UFC. Mm-hmm. But like, he's he's not other New England guys that I've that I've gone off on me. Like, no, definitely not. Like, Shanus got some skills. High uh, output. He's a bit of a brawler. Uh, high guard defense, I'd say plus power. He can crack. He's got some hard, hard leg kicks. Uh, he does throw them without a setup. He's got to get cracked for that. Uh, he's been rocked a bunch of the, in the past. Uh, he will wrestle a little bit. He'll sneak in a takedown. I, I wouldn't categorize him as a wrestler though. Uh, but he's strong on top. I like that. He looks to advanced position and he's got some good, hard ground and pound. He, uh, he, he was submitted in his last fight against, uh, uh, Yusuf, Sadiq Yusuf, which which is, uh, you know, wasn't a good sign. He was he was submitted quick. Uh, he got hurt in that fight. Almost, he almost got knocked out. But the worst thing, I think, in that fight, he showed some poor fight IQ when he was locked in a really tight plumb clinch. He was, like, trying to punch his way out instead of trying to, like, pummel back in, and Yusuf just destroyed him uh, with knees up the middle. Uh, Jenkins, he's a pocket boxer. Uh, I think he's a little stiff on the feet. Like, he, the. Makes himself a little bit you know makes himself a little bit of a target that way uh, he does switch stances a lot he's he's got some good kicks though hard body kicks good calf kicks uh, but he tends to back straight up he he does like to clinch and he's got some decent clinch striking like he can get a little little grimy in there uh, I've I seen some nice leg sweeps from in there so that's something we might watch for it'd be cool if he hits that he will look to wrestle he's got good entries good top control uh looks to advance on, on, on the ground. Good ground and pound. He he likes to, like his last fight, he likes to sit in the garden and throw those like Tito Ortiz sliding elbows, which we don't see that much anymore. Uh, he has three submission wins. <laughs> you, you ask who's the best Australian uh, wrestler. Maybe it's Jack Jenkins, maybe. I don't know. Like He, he can wrestle a little bit. Uh,
0: I mean, he, he had a mullet. Got that like little, you, like, you know, like <laughs> very, very Iowa, you know, had a little Lincoln McElravy like just like locks going on there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think this fight is pretty evenly matched. Uh, So if I'm placing a bet, and you know, we're not, you know, I want to remind everybody that we're not a betting website. Like we don't say, "Hey, uh, you know, pound uh, plus five five fifteen here and sprinkle, (laughs) sprinkle, sprinkle the under," and you know, and uh, but if I was a betting guy, I would actually, I would actually go with Shane's because of those. I like those odds. Uh, That said, I am going with Jenkins because he's not from New England. Uh, I think he's the more well-rounded fighter, though. So I think he can probably... I I might even give the slight edge to Shanice on the feet, but I think on the ground, I think Jenkins... The fact that if it hits the ground, chances are Jenkins will be on the top. So I think he hits a takedown or two. I think that's going to be enough in a fairly close fight. So give me Jenkins by decision.
0: Yeah, I mean... We know that earlier in his career jenkins was uh susceptible to submission i mean he has like his only uh losses are submission losses early in his career uh he's he's developed as a wrestler since then and his submission defense i i it hasn't been tested like we know that on the contender series for example he took down freddie Lenaris effortlessly like, uh, I think in all three rounds, at least in the first two, he took him down and beat him up real bad on the ground. And that was kind of the uh, what defined the fight. Like, you know, by the end of the second round, Linares was cut up real bad. Uh, Jenkins was obviously way ahead. I don't know what it'll look like if Jenkins takes Sheamus down. Like, I, I haven't seen enough of Sheamus' groundwork. I don't know if he can threaten Jenkins. I don't know if he can sweep and get back up. That, I mean that's what again if we were a betting show would make me a little more hesitant to uh to to advocate for for betting on shanes just because jenkins does have that like that safety valve like i have the feeling he's going to be able to get shanes down if shanes is getting the better of the striking that's kind of the dynamic of the fight to me because of that i'm going with jenkins by decision here but i agree with you that shanes is better than he looked in his 30 seconds of work Uh, you know, on short notice and will be interesting to see like what he looks like after a few months in a new training situation. 145 is an unforgiving division. Hopefully he gets this and at least one more shot to kind of show what he can do. Next up, it is the lightweights as Jamie Malarkey welcomes Francisco Prado to the UFC. Malarkey, the 28 year old Australian is 15 and five overall. He's three and three in the UFC. He won his last time out. It was a split decision win over Michael Johnson last July at UFC on ESPN Dos Anjos versus Faziv. that uh, close and to the point of being controversial. I'm sure it'll come up during uh, this preview segment, but that did allow him to get back on track after a second round knockout loss to Jalen Turner last March at UFC 272. He will look to make it uh, two in a row and four wins in his last five against the debuting Prado, who steps in on short notice for Nasrat Hakparast, who withdrew with an injury. Prado, the 20-year-old, yes, you heard that right, 20-year-old undefeated Argentinian, uh, 11-0 in his mixed martial arts career, almost all of which has taken place in uh, Argentina's samurai fight house promotion, Uh, again, that will probably come up in a few minutes as well, but, uh, he was active as recently as last December where he appeared at Samurai fight house eight and knocked out a dude you've never heard of in about a minute and a half. Uh, perhaps due to the short notice, the difference in level of competition, Malarkey is unsurprisingly a strong favorite here, minus two sixty. Prado plus 200 on the comeback. Uh, Prado is a tough prospect for me to assess. He is 20 years old. Good things about him for a 20-year-old. He doesn't look like a 20-year-old. He looks like a 28-year-old. He looks like a guy that's already coming into his physical prime. Like, he's a pretty big lightweight. He's got plenty of muscle on him. He's a good athlete. Uh, But... He's obviously ultra raw, and he has that thing of the. I mean, we've talked about this on previews before. Uh, I talked about it on the recap last night. When someone comes to the UFC with a very nice looking defeated or almost undefeated record, you really have to consider the source. You know, when someone comes over from China and they're like 17 and one, you got to wait and see. Whereas somebody comes over from Russia and they're 17 and one, you're like, they're probably pretty good. Um, Prado coming from Samurai Fight House, I mean, if the name Samurai Fight House is ringing a bell for you, it's because Eileen Perez debuted in the UFC late last year and came from Samurai Fight House where she just thrashed women that weren't even wearing like proper fight gear. And they're fighting on like the, the preschool interlocking like foam rubber mats for the surface of their cage, like just obviously in a gym uh they've gotten a little better in the last year or so but they are one of the lowest of low level south american promotions and prado has the look of somebody who's been able to do whatever he wants to all of his opponents just with sheer aggression athleticism and a couple of go-to skills like he hits with a ton of power because he swings real hard but uh tons of defensive holes in his striking he's been able to get just bully takedowns on people when he wants to either people in the middle of collisions or people he's already hurt with his strikes, just kind of runs them to the ground where he does have a, you know, he has a number of submissions and there's stuff just like, you know, rear naked choking people that haven't really been to deal able to deal with it. Getting a a von flu choke on, on somebody recently. Just none of that's going to work on malarkey. I have no idea whether Francisco Prado is going to turn into a solid prospect like, if, if he's still in the UFC two years from now, you know, maybe he, like, loses to Malarkey, loses his next one, and then s- starts to get on track. That wouldn't surprise me. Or if he bounces from the UFC entirely, that wouldn't surprise me either. It's it's too early to tell, and it's too early for him to take on Jamie Malarkey. I, I mean, I thought Malarkey lost to Michael Johnson, and that just broke my heart because... The, the one fight where Johnson actually fights a pretty smart, pretty consistent fight and, and kind of gets jobbed on the cards just made me feel bad for him. But Malarkey is just, he's too good a boxer. If Prado kind of rushes heedless at him with, you know, just big haymakers, Malarkey's gonna, I mean, he's going to piece him up. Um, if he tries to take him down, I, I'm interested to see that. But I, I, I haven't. They I didn't see anything in Prado's tape that made me think, okay, that's a route to victory against Jamie Malarkey. That, that, that's going to work against him. And Malarkey himself is a guy that's probably still improving uh, as well. So I understand the line here. Uh, again, jury will remain out on whether Prado is UFC material, but he's not going to prove it on Saturday. Uh, give me Malarkey to just chew up Prado badly on the feet, thwart his takedown attempts, and probably knock him out in the second round
1: yeah jamie malarkey is is he's definitely like an overachiever that's what i think about Jamie mark a guy that uh when he first joined the ufc i thought it was gonna be like he has two fights out the door um but he's he's really surprised me he's unathletic but he just makes up for it with just being super tough uh he isn't very fast but he just is busy constantly marching forward high volume I mean, I go back to the Brad Riddell fight, where a fight that he lost and he gave him problems. Uh, I thought he beat um, Zion Furry furry Zion, obviously his fr- his first name. Uh, I thought he should have won that fight. Uh, his volume, I, I I've kept this in my notes. His volume broke Devontae Smith. Like he he took over with that. Uh, he his limited athleticism and and limited defensive skill will get him in trouble against like the physically freak. Gifted, God-gifted guys like like a Jalen Turner. So that's when he will look bad against that. But guys that aren't that, he can he can make himself a nice career in UFC just by Darren Elkins a little bit, you know, because um, he's just going to keep going forward. I mean, he not, and he can hit harder than he gets credit for. He knocked out Devontae Smith. He knocked out Common Worthy. He hurt Brad Riddell in their fight. So don't sleep on his power. I love his intelligence. He just I, I like that he works the body. That's a big part of his game. I like that. He gets inside looks to wrestle a little bit. He can chain wrestle a little bit. Uh, he also has this like unbreakable will to just keep going when it gets, when it gets tough, uh, due to his lack of wrestling background, he isn't a strong top side grappler. He needs to improve that. Uh, he needs to improve his control. Uh, but if you put him on his back, he'll just continue to work right back up to his feet. Um, and his cardio, is he's going to go hard for all 15 minutes. Now, you mentioned uh, Francisco Prado being 20 years old. <laughs> I love that you said that, uh, you know, he's 20 years old, but he, he looks like he's 28. Like, what does that mean, man? Like, he's starting to bald a little bit, get a little bit of belly. Yeah. <laughs> 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 He's 28, so he's, like, sitting in a cubicle somewhere, just, like, regretting his life choices because <laughs> his, I mean, his he, mom
0: he – He might be on, on Sunday morning, but <laughs> – Yeah, like, check, every time his,
1: his boss walks away, he's checking Indeed to see if there's any new openings or something better, <laughs> you know. You know, regretting his psychology uh, degree that he got. and You know, he's got a – He's, he's got to make sure he gets out at four because he's got to go over to Outback Steakhouse for his second job because his mom just kicked him out of his house.
0: Damn. <laughs> that's, 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 Keith, that's Keith's painting a dark picture. <laughs> that's, <laughs>
1: that's what's going on with Prado. I,
0: I was thinking of it as a compliment. <laughs> is the prime of life. God.
1: <laughs> uh, no, nah, is good. I mean, he's got to be in bed by 10 because he's 28 now. Yeah. Like, you know, usually you would go out at 10. Now he's going to be in bed because he's got responsibility. He actually has, has to pay. Uh, as far yeah, as far as like where he fought, like his last fight, I mean, it, like I didn't want to call it a gymnasium. It was it felt like one of these uh like escape rooms, like, it, it, <laughs> you, <laughs> like you get past this door, and then like your next room you get in is
0: like an octagon, and you gotta like fight past somebody to get to the next room. Like it was it was that small. And like, then after was, everybody escapes, they we'll go to the axe throwing bar next door. It'll be a great yeah, Saturday night. Right. <laughs> uh,
1: uh, but he's got to be in bed by 10 though. Oh, yeah. So, um, yeah, there was one point there was like these guys that were just like <laughs> the guys walking around the cage. One fight I was watching, the guys were walking around the cage and like holding bear, but they were like, like walking to their seat. And they're like right next to the cage.
0: Like, <laughs>
1: like, like, there was no security, nothing. I'm like, what is going on? I'm counting the people in the audience. It was like, <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, he's, he's a pressure. C- I'd say a pressure counter striker, a lot of L step in, uh, he has power. I mean, he's got five KOs and he's only 20 years old. So he's kind of really coming into his power. He, he really like springs into his shots, like launches himself into his shots. Uh, so that he throws, a, because of that, he throws a lot of wild, crazy strikes, like a crazy man, a lot of looping shots. Uh, but if he connects, he's got some power. Uh, he also throws a lot of high kicks. Uh, doesn't really sit up. just throws them. Doesn't really set him up with anything. Uh, you mentioned his wrestling. He's good, good entries. Uh, he showed off how, like, how strong he is. He can just get on guy's leg and slam him. Uh, weak defensive wrestler, though. Like, some low-level guys took him down. He struggled to get back up. But if he scrambles, he gets stopped. He's got hard ground and pound. He's got six submission wins. The biggest question mark is is his cardio. Like, he's never fought 15 minutes. He stops everyone quickly. Uh, of the two fighters, <laughs> Prado probably has the higher upside. Like, if one guy is a top-ten guy one day, then it's Prado. But Malarkey is, is tough as hell to make in your UFC debut. Uh he's a tough for anybody in the UFC debut, especially a 20-year-old who hasn't really faced anybody. I think Malarkey might weather this early storm if 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 Prado comes out blitzing. And when he starts to fade, you know, Prado if he, if he fades at all, that's when Malarkey just turns up the volume, breaks him like he does everybody. I think he gets a finish. Uh I'm gonna say he doesn't like the second round. Give me Malarkey in my second round, TKO.
0: All right. Next up, we dip into the men's flyweight division for a matchup between the debuting Shannon Ross and Clayton Rodriguez. Ross, the 33 year old Australian, is 12 and 6 overall. As mentioned, this will be his uh, UFC debut. He appeared on the contender series last August, where he lost to Vinicius Salvador by second round TKO. Nonetheless, he gets the call up here to appear in his native country and uh, will face Rodriguez, a fellow Dana White's Contender Series product. The 27-year-old Brazilian is 7-2 overall. He is 0-1 since uh, joining the UFC last year. He won his way into the organization on the 2021 Contender Series. Uh, Didn't debut until last May. He faced C.J. Vergara at UFC 274 and came out on the wrong end of a split decision uh, after a pretty thrilling fight, so he'll be looking to get his first octagon win as well. He is a comfortable favorite to do so. Uh, Rodriguez minus two eighty, Ross plus two ten. Uh, Keith, I'm gonna kick this one to you, but I I have a curiosity, and I I, I hope you can solve it for me because. It's it's no shock anymore when somebody loses on the contender series and gets the call up to the UFC. Uh, you know, every, yeah. now nowadays everyone who wins gets on, and you know about ten or twenty percent of the ones who lose end up making it to the UFC within the next year somehow or other. But it's usually someone who lost a real close fight or showed a ton of upside and steps in on short notice. None of that's the case here. And not only did Ross lose on the contender series, he got destroyed. Uh, I like if you can. Clue me in as to why he's in the UFC, other than to get another Australian in the card. I'd love to hear it.
1: Well, he got knocked out. Um, it was a fun fight before that. They they both had moments and they were going rock him, sock him. It, it was a really fun fight up until he got knocked out. But yeah, he got he, the knockout was brutal. Um, and it was worst thing is they were like showing his family celebrating and and, and like his his family was like sorry not necessarily like watching yeah. like cheering as he's coming out and yeah. It was like
0: it was like little kids watching. It was it was terrible. See, see that that's why you just got to fight for the Rolex. Don't put the kids on <laughs> that's there. That's right. Fuck those just, kids. That way, if like the Rolex guy loses, I can be like, oh, that asshole shouldn't have bought a Rolex, and I don't have to feel bad about it, like his kids crying. Yeah.
1: Yeah, just, just for the record, I'm only joking. I, I, I don't. I'm, I have nothing against the Ross family kids. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm sure they're fine young lads. Uh, yeah, and uh, yeah, I think it's just right place, right time kind of thing. Uh, Shannon Ross, uh, he's he's a minus athlete. He, he's pretty flat forward, flat footed. F- excuse me, a uh, bit of a stationary target. Doesn't move that much. Uh, he, like he doesn't move to avoid strikes. He moves forward. He, he's he is an action fighter. He fights with some high volume. Uh, he uses a lot of feints to set up his shots. Quick hands. Throws a lot of combinations. He kind of he kept winging the same overhand right, trying to end the fight uh, on the Contender Series. I like that he works the body. He does have d- decent pop. He's got eat. Uh, excuse me, six knockouts. Uh, he likes flying knees. Like he was trying that, but you got to be worried about his chin. I mean, he was rocked. Like he wasn't just a knockout. He was rocked a bunch of times before he was finally put out flat in his last fight. Uh, so that's concerning. Uh, he will occasionally wrestle. He's not much of a submission. He only has one sub on his record, uh, but his cardio is off the charts. Like he kept coming um, despite being hurt, and and his volume was really good. So uh, that's kind of what he has going here. Uh, Rodriguez is huge. Like, he's huge for the weight class. He's very athletic, very like I'd say extremely athletic. He has this capoeira background. He fights a bit like Yoel Romero, and like he lulls, and then he explodes. Uh, he uses a lot of feints to set up his shots. He can throw one strike at a time, and that's because he telegraphs his shots. And he loads up and he tries to end the fight uh, with one punch. I like that he does attack with everything, though. Like, he has elbows, knees, and, and, and kind of like that traditional what they call, like, the eight points. Like, he has all eight limbs, uh, you know, eight points, whatever you want to call it, landing. Uh, throws a lot of kicks. He likes kicks up the middle. He likes flying knees. He'll throw some spinning attacks, kind of, you know, with that Capoeira background. I like that he has this like John Jones style. And when he gets inside, he looks at these hard close elbows, where he, you know he changes from punches to elbows. Uh, he avoids strikes by by <clears throat> by rolling to to avoid stuff, which uh, I uh, we've talked about in the past. And, and what I would rank the scale, it's on the lower end of the scale when it comes defensively. Uh, because of his height and his size, he can get in the, in the clinch and and grapple in there pretty strong. He does jump guillotine, which, um, is concerning, but you know, he almost got it. So I'll give him that, uh, he lands some hard elbows in the clinch. He dives into takedowns though, which is which is not the prettiest thing. I, like I wouldn't call him a, a wrestler at all. And he, he has two subs on his record, but he needs to improve his ground game. I mean, CJ Vergara mounted him twice, which is not a good look, uh, and he faded really bad in his last fight. So I really want to take Ross. I do. I, like I love his spirit. I, I think every minute that goes by, the longer the fight goes on, the more ground he's going to gain. But I hate going by the intangibles. Like that's, I I usually like to go by the skills, and Rodriguez is a more skilled fighter. So, give me Rodriguez to win a split decision. I think he he gets out to an early lead and has to hold on on like a late surge from Ross as 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 he gets Ross gets stronger and stronger as the fight goes on, and 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 Rodriguez just holds on. Give me Rodriguez by split decision. Great.
0: I I love a bunch of the things you pointed out there, and. Came to like similar or 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 same conclusions in some cases. I, I love that you mentioned that Rodriguez is massive for the division and explosive, and the comparison to Yo- Yoel Romero, I I love because why did Yoel always fight that way? It was so that he had still be throwing offensive uh, effective offense in the third or fifth round of a fight. He knew that he couldn't possibly fight at a furious pace with the kind of muscle he was carrying, especially as he pushed 40. So yeah, he'd wait, 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 (laughs) and then explode. And Rodriguez, you know, has some of that. Uh, I mean,
1: (laughs) remember when you Romero fought? I think it was Phil Davis. And like, all of a sudden he like lost. And instead of pretending he thought it was five rounds.
0: (laughs) Yep. That was. So fucking you what a source of unintentional comedy thing? like he really, no, is. No, no, he really no.
1: is. I don't I, I didn't believe it like that that was the uh the, the uh, Tim Kennedy suddenly he didn't know he had to get off the like yeah. off the chair no. and filling yes. ice and shit. Like I love him. Uh
0: the things about Ross, I mean, and I, I'm glad you mentioned the things you like about him because as I kind of like watched uh the tape on him, I'm like, are we sure this guy isn't from Boston? Like, he's got the very Irish-sounding name, and he's what, you know, Sherdog Associate Editor Jay Petri loves to refer to as a Boston-style face-first striker, you know, oh. where you're like, yeah. no, he has moved. I let say that.
1: to come forward. <laughs> yeah, I let you say that. Like, my neighbors across the street, their last name is Ross.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Dude,
1: wait, his first name is Shannon. Yeah. Dude, my neighbor across the street's name is Shannon Ross. I swear to God. <laughs> I swear to God.
0: <laughs> See? You know, and whenever you got a, a guy named Shannon, you know, you know it's you know it's an Irish thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah I'm, yeah, I'm not sure that this guy isn't actually from uh, from uh the greater Boston area, but yeah, Boston style face first striker, you know, like the the classic Alex Care-Alexis mold where uh win or lose, he always just looks like he's been run over by a tractor at the end of his fights. Um Clemson Rodriguez obviously has much more upside. The only question with him is how much longer he'll be for the 125-pound division period. I mean, we're talking – he's a big dude. Um, but, yeah, he he got the short end of a, a wild fight against C.J. Vergara, and I actually thought maybe he should have won that. But the problem for me is a future top 10 guy doesn't get into a fun fight with C.J. Vergara. He just yeah, plunked C.J. Exactly. Vergara. Yeah, exactly. You know, like – I. I, I ride or die with Texas, but CJ Vergara is a borderline UFC flyweight. Like uh, if Clayson Rodriguez is a serious future top 10 guy at 125 or 135, he plunks CJ Vergara in six or seven minutes without take uh, a mark on him. So I know that Rodriguez is probably gonna oblige Ross with at least chances to stay in this fight. You know, uh, if if he can't put uh, Ross away early, Ross is gonna keep coming forward. He, uh, he's going to throw volume. He's going to force the issue. I could see this being a close fight where Rodriguez has to hold on after like winning, after maybe winning the first round or really decisively. All of a sudden he's tired and he has to hold on while, while Ross is, is is piecing him up. And I'm not thinking we get like a draw situation where people are arguing with, over whether there's, there's a 10-8 round, but maybe Ross in a losing performance shows that uh, he has a, a place to stay in the UFC as well, and it was the right choice to sign him even after that, like, ugly loss on the Contender Series. Next up, it's back to the men's featherweight division for a matchup between Joshua Kulabau and Melsik Bagdasarian. Koulibau, the 28-year-old Australian, is 10-1-1 overall. He's 2-1-1 uh, since joining the UFC just about three years ago. Uh, he lost his debut to Jalen Turner, just got crushed, uh, had an exciting split draw fight against Charles Jordan. Then he's won two in a row since then, a unanimous decision over Xia Yilan back in May of 2021, and a split decision win over Sungwoo Choi this past June at UFC 275. So, cool about looking to move past modest initial expectations and win three straight in one of the toughest divisions in the UFC. Standing in his way will be Bagdasarian. The 31-year-old... Uh, from Southern California, Glendale, North Hollywood, Armenian-American, 7-1 and overall, 2-0 and since joining the UFC out of the 2020 season of Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, he won his first two fights in the UFC, uh, head kicked Colin Anglin, and took a unanimous decision over Bruno Souza. That's great. The bad news is the most recent of those fights was... Uh, the Soza fight was UFC 268 back in November of 2021. So he's back for the first time in 15 months, but he also will be looking for his third straight win in the UFC. One of them's likely to get it here. They are dead even money. Kulabau minus 110, Bagdazarian minus 110. This one is a pick Keith, we just, I mean, we talked about Elise Reed earlier. I will be the first to admit that I underestimated Josh Kulabau. You know, he came to the, the UFC and Jalen Turner at lightweight was a hell of a first, uh, <laughs> yeah. cause yeah. I mean, cool is was not a small featherweight. He, I mean, he's kind of like a, a longer, lankier one. Yeah. yeah. Jalen Turner is a absolutely fucking gigantic lightweight. Just looked like two weight classes bigger than him, which he effectively was. I I think I, I came to underestimate after that. And he has proven at least that he belongs. I mean, he's won two in a row. Shai Ilan and Sung Mu Choi are both kind of solid roster level guys, but I'm going to continue to underestimate Kulabao here because I think Bagdazarian is a terrible matchup for him. Uh, like Kulabao, he's still a very willing and aggressive striker. I think he's wild and has some defensive holes and a guy like Bagdazarian, who's a good kickboxer who comes from a kickboxing background uh, and less the time off has really made him rust unless he's lost something between ages 29 and uh 31 I mean, just barely turned 31 like a week ago i i think he evades Kulabow's wild strikes and just plunks him uh just catches him with clean counters to his kicks kicks his legs kicks his body kicks his head um yeah i mean Kulabow belongs In the UFC, I don't think either of these guys is probably a future top 15 guy, but in terms of just the straight style matchup, uh, I think is going to crush Kulabau. Uh, Give me Melsic-Bagdasarian by second round KO here.
1: Yeah. um, Kulabau... we can to find out if about single and find out if at Reed is a single. Like, like, let's look, let's make, let's make that happen.
0: <laughs> let's, Even if they're not single, what's what happens in Australia stays in that's Australia. True.
1: That's true. You in different time zones and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> good call. When you go down on, uh, you, you, Oh, you know, you, you <laughs> you go down on, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Josh cool he's a, uh, he's a minus athlete. Uh, he's a, he's a high output striker, bit of a pressure striker. Um, he fights out of both stances. He uses a lot of movement, um, good volume, straight punches down the pipe. I'd say he's got some stinging power. Like That's actually the thing that I, I, I would um, un- underrate about him. Uh, I mean, go back to like the Charles Jordan fight. He dropped him with a shot. Uh, he's got some hard body kicks. Uh, doesn't check leg kicks, though. He will sneak in the takedown, but he's a weak defensive wrestler. He struggles to get on bottom, and he isn't a submission threat at all. I don't think he has a single submission win. Um is an Armenian fighter who's got you mentioned his kick, his kickboxing, he's got professional kickboxing experience, Fort k one won a world championship in uh, WLF, whatever whatever that means. I don't know if, I'm not a big kickboxing guy, but Southport, I like his volume on the feet, really quick hands, really accurate. He's really good at getting getting to the the point of contact, beating his opponents there. Really big power. I mean, he won this four fight winning streak where his longest fight was 32 seconds. Like, he was just starching, guys. His left hand is deadly. Incredible high-kick knockout over Colin Englund. Uh, He showed that he has some cardio. He showed he's got some good takedown defense, not much in the offensive grappling. Uh, You said this is a pick fight, and I'm utterly shocked by this. If you asked me what the betting line was for this fight, I would have said, I don't know. is gonna be massive favorite.
0: Well, I, I, if I asked you what, the, who the biggest favorite on this card was, how long would it take you to get to Bagdasarian?
1: He might have been my pick.
0: Yeah, I, I would have been like Tokugov, You know, Yeah, oh, probably. Then Yeah.
1: If you asked me, just set the line. I would have guessed like guess you know, just guessing. Negative three seventy five.
0: Yeah, I, I was like minus four hundred. I was I was stunned. I'm actually stunned too. I yeah I don't I don't get it like.
1: The only thing I can think of is being that Don Shanes is is in the building. There might be some funny business going on with, uh, you know, <laughs> you know, James Kraus there in another country. Like, what is yeah. what is what is going on? Backs are gonna to take <laughs> one for the team. Or I don't I don't know. Uh, like we say, this is this is not a betting, you know, uh, show. But you guys want to max? I max bet this thing. Like what, what you know, just to try to sound hip for the for the kids. Uh Kulubo better get this fight to the ground immediately. And I I think he's smart enough to try. I really do. I just don't think he'll be able to get there. And I think I think Back gonna starch him. I think Mattisaran's gonna knock him on the very first round. Um, okay. I think he's getting a 50 grand bonus. So um maybe the guy with the Rolex will put his Rolex up and bet on it. Like, <laughs> like, like I, <laughs> I I don't get this line. Like
0: I, I, I think Back is gonna style on him. Yep. I'm I'm glad that you vindicated that because yeah. i mean like well i've said this on the show before if i go first you know on one of these predictions it's either because i feel bad like cuz you've already done like 5 in a row or because i just have what seems to me to be a really obvious take on it and anytime i do that i'm like i'm just waiting for keith to come in and like explain <laughs> why i'm wrong so when you feel the same way i do i'm like oh thank goodness yeah it's, like it's going to sound really
1: bad when like <laughs> when coolball smashes them but uh, oh yeah yeah, and then and and Yanni the Greek bet on Kulabelt because of the uh cyber metrics thing he came up with a graft of the you know the weight class getting so many stoppages or some dude,
0: shit. dude. Did you? <clears throat> I mean, you're you are watching through UFC uh Vegas 68 now. I don't know if you've gotten to Minty bets, but like she's this woman. That the UFC brought on, and she did a couple of just stand-up segments on fight odds.
1: Oh, really? I, and she's this is like the I first mean, show. was that one? Um, wait, the what? Is it? I'm sorry, was this they've been bringing her on?
0: No, this was her first time. Okay, so last and, night was and first her, her name is Minty Bets, and okay, that's fantastic. They they I guess she's some sort of Instagram influencer, but oh,
1: so say she's got she has got
0: Okay, I mean, real talk. I mean, actually. she's attractive, intelligentic, but she's not drop-dead gorgeous. Okay. Like, the, the UFC's production is full of extremely attractive women who are very good at their job. I mean, they've got, you know, Laura Sanko yeah. debuted. Oh, Megan yeah. Olevy is, like, the, the queen of the, of the stand-up. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
1: the UFC has no trouble. But they are, they're also extremely not. Both of those women are very good at what they do.
0: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, yeah. Minty Betts is none of that. She is the worst. She is the worst like so-called gambling specialist they've ever had on she it became very obvious that she didn't understand what under 2.5 rounds means she she advocated a prop bet and she didn't know that it literally means the midpoint of the round not that it won't go to like the end like it, it was bad and then she tried to explain herself on twitter and just like was digging and digging and digging wait a minute
1: and this was the ufc
0: yeah She's Wait, on the UFC. I think two or three segments. You'll you'll see it as you go along. Let, let me get this right.
1: You're the worldwide leader in sports. You know, you're on ESPN. There's not a better person. Like you have Ian Parker. Like my boy Ian Parker yeah. does this. You've got on. Nick
0: Koleekis hanging around. Nick Kalekas. Got-
1: it. Put us on there. We don't bet, but like we can we don't- give some advice. Well, yeah, have a freaking have James you know what just own James Krause, just have James yeah. Krause do it. Like say fuck it. Like he can, he's a fighter and he knows about gambling. We're just gonna own it.
0: Yeah, just call it work release for his like, like prison term. Yeah,
1: like you can't coach anymore, but you can give out betting advice minty bets
0: like minty bets you'll i can't um, wait for you to hit me back once you see minty bets because
1: oh that's fantastic
0: i mean it's one thing to be yanni the greek and like have some bad streaks that maybe come from not doing enough research and then there's just not even understanding how to read the prop bets i couldn't believe it
1: yeah i hope she i hope she made the uh the bears list
0: yeah, like like, and the the chat was just hammering on her the whole time. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I haven't watched yet,
1: so I will watch throughout the week. So I usually watch like a fight here, fight there, and then slowly by the end of the week I've caught up. I, I was starting with with Bellator. I was doing Bellator first, but uh, Minty Bets, yeah, uh, cool.
0: <laughs> all right, you ready for Pedro versus Bukowskis?
1: Was that on, was that was that on the air? All that? Oh yeah. Okay, okay. I I'm gonna know. leave
0: it in. Like, yeah, dude.
1: Yeah, okay. I just, I didn't know if you
0: hit me, Minty. <laughs> right, um, yeah, what, what right. the top prelim at UFC 284 is a light heavyweight matchup between Tyson Pedro and Modestus Bukowskis. Pedro, the 31 year old Australian, is nine and three overall, he's five and three in the UFC. He is two and zero since his return from a lengthy layoff, he was gone for uh. Three and a half years, from December 2018 to April of 2022. Since coming back, he is two and zero with first round stoppages of Ike Villanueva and Harry Hunsucker. Uh, he'll look to make it three in a row against the returning Bukowskis. The 28 year old Lithuanian, by way of the UK, is 13 and five overall. He is one and three in the UFC. You know, went one and three in the UFC. Uh, he won his debut back in 2020 over Andreas Mihailidis, then lost three in a row to Jim Crute, Mihal Oleg Shechuk, and Khalil Roundtree, at which point the UFC released him. He went back to Cage Warriors, where he had actually spent most of his career on the way up, won uh, two fights there in 2022, and here he gets the call back to the UFC, stepping in on short notice in place of Min Yang Zhang, who, uh, he was on the road to UFC, Series, But he was at light heavyweight, so he was outside of the uh, the actual tournament weight classes. The UFC was going to bring him in, but uh, he's out, and uh, Bukowskis is in. Perhaps owing to the short notice of the fight, perhaps owing to the fact that Bukowskis isn't that good. Uh, Pedro is a comfortable favorite here. He's minus 240. Bukowskis plus 200. <clears throat> Keith, I... I We've, I mean, we've been a little harsh on this card. You know, we talked about how outside of the top fight, it's pretty rough sledding for a uh, for a pay per view card. This as the top prelim, I mean, just neither of these guys is that good. The the best I can say is that they're both relatively young, especially Bukowskis. So there's, you know, there, there's there's still potential upside. But Pedro is. Pedro never turned the corner. He never developed. He oh. when he got to the UFC, he was an impressive athlete who was able to pull off some pretty cool stuff on low-level fighters because he was an impressive athlete, but more schooled fighters just embarrassed him. Like he couldn't put away Ilir Latifi. So Ilir Latifi like Ilir Latifi just outlasted him. Yeah. Like when you get outgassed by Ilir Latifi, that's two hundred five. 205. that's not good. Uh show good. You know, show yeah, good Dude uh, being i mean was he shogun's last clean win yeah. that's not a, that's not a distinction yeah. you want to carry and when he did like kind of his wild do anything on the ground thing that served him well in australia ovin saint prue destroyed him because ovin saint prue was the king of opportunistic oh you want to roll around and see what happens i'm gonna you know kimura you uh since he's been back he has easy wins over Ike Villanueva and Harry Hunsucker. And
1: and then, then sorry to interrupt you. No, that's not little nog was showdowns. Last one. Okay. Thank you. So I apologize for saying yes, but you did ask clean win. Like, what are you trying to suggest here?
0: <laughs> I just wanted to make sure there wasn't some weird uh, disqualification. or something. I, <laughs> no, speaking I, nothing about the pride vitamins. No, no. <laughs> uh, God, like if he was on, if he was on the juice, you'd think he'd look to be in a little better shape, <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, since Pedro has been back, he's, Gotten easy wins over Ike Villanueva and Harry Hunsucker. and again, Ike Villanueva. Like I like the guy. I I, I know his kids. The, he are they, better, are, they,
1: are they better than Shannon Ross's kids? They're older.
0: Okay, you know, probably le- like less prone to you know, like getting real upset if dad loses. <laughs> not, so not like twenty eight yet, though. They're not. No, no, not that, not that that terrible stage in life. But Ike Viennoit and Harry Hunsucker, I mean, they were probably the two worst light heavyweights in the UFC at the time Pedro beat them. So all we know is that Pedro is not the worst light heavyweight in the UFC. And they were bringing in Min Yang Zhang to fight him. That was a setup fight. Zhang was terrible. Like, I I, I, I would have, like, punched the max bet on Pedro all day over Min Yang Zhang. He is he, not a good fighter. Here they're doing the next best thing. Bringing Modestus Bukowskis back is, I mean, it's it's the next best thing to like giving Pedro a walkover. Like the UFC seems really motivated to to get Pedro over. Maybe they see kind of a light heavyweight tie to Ivasa in him. Just this really charismatic, jovial guy that drinks beer out of shoes and they think they can make a sort of niche star out of him if he can win enough to stay in the UFC because they can't possibly see top 10 upside in him, even at light heavyweight. Uh, he's 31, and he's the same fighter he was when he was 27. Uh, but against Bukowskis, his thing might work. I mean, my, my knock on Bukowskis always has been he's a long, lengthy kickboxer who doesn't have the footwork or athleticism to keep people off him that, that want to crowd him and, and mash him. To be fair to Bukowskis, I thought he should have beaten Mihalo Olukshechuk, but like, Roundtree and Kroot both bullied him, and that's something Pedro could do. Pedro could just crash the pocket on Bukowskis, find a takedown somewhere, or just mug him in close quarters, and that's kind of what I'm expecting to happen here. Like, I I don't think Bukowskis is ever going to be comfortable uh, with the range here, and unless he snipes Pedro uh, coming in with just like a real clean uh, counter, or gets enough time to work to really start chopping at his legs and pay dividends later. Uh, I think Bukowskis is going to lose here just either a decision where he never gets the fight into his preferred range, maybe spends time on the ground he doesn't want to, or Pedro actually finds a finish on uh, on the ground. I'm going to go with the decision here. Give me uh, Pedro to win rounds one and two, maybe have to hold on in, in round three as he's the more tired guy, but still gets a pretty straightforward win.
1: Yeah, um, this fight sucks. <laughs> like, uh, I'm not high on either guy. Uh, Pedro's big for the weight class. I every time I see him, I always think he's a heavyweight. He's he's such a big dude. Uh, I'd say he's a plus athlete. Like, I, I agree with the like, things you're saying that he that he wins by being a better athlete than his opponents. He moves well. Uh, he does keep his chin too high in the air for me. I don't like that. He can back straight up on the center line. Another thing I don't like. He does use feints to draw out attacks well because he wants to kind of strike. Uh, he does throw straight shots down the pipe, which I like. Uh, he can be gun shy at times, which is which is concerning. Strong leg kicks. Uh, you go back to, like you mentioned, Ike Villanova, he busts him up with leg kicks. Uh, he will wrestle, but he's not great at it. I think he's a weak defense wrestler. I mean, he got wrestled by Shogun. <laughs> that should tell you everything, and, and, and not young Shogun. No, you know, like, like 40 years old, Shogun, like young Shogun wasn't a good wrestler, <laughs> never mind. Uh, no, 40 year Sh- old Shogun
0: Shogun on his original knees wasn't that great a wrestler, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 he was no bow nickel. Um, ding ding ding.
1: Uh, he does struggle to, to get off the bottom, which is concerning. He has a submission threat, though, he has five subs on his record, but he gassed out bad against Shogun. But uh, he's back in the UFC, hopefully, more made it motivated. We've seen guys fix glaring weaknesses maybe I, I don't know what the and weaknesses of pedro but maybe he's fixed some of them uh because he's he's you know he's won two fights since he's got a cut from the ufc he's back in the ufc uh fights out of both stances i actually prefer him from the southpaw stance though uh, i think he moves well he's a bit of, a bit of an outfighter uh, he doesn't like being pressured he wants to work from distance quick hands uh throws again another guy throws basic straight shots uh, he also can be gun shy. You look at his last fight. Um. Oh God, who is he going against? Oh, oh. Had. Uh, what's his first name? Hadwick. What's his? He's been around forever. You know what I'm talking about. Um. Lee Hadwick, right? The the, the the that's his name, right? Hardwick. 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 I'm sorry. Hardwick. Sorry. Uh. Yeah. Like, like he was gun shy at times in that fight. Um, a lot of spinning attacks.
0: A lot of like if I look like he, I'm not responding, it's because like you dropped out a couple times for me. Oh,
1: okay. Sorry. Um, a lot of, a lot of, that hopefully, it was when I was messing up that guy's name. Uh, a lot of spinning attacks. Uh, Chad, Chadwick, Chadwick.
0: Chadwick. I'm
1: Chadwick. sorry. Hey guys, i might mean, come on. You're talking about like a, a ultimate journeyman. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. I've seen him fight like 30 times too. Uh, this shows you how memorable he is. Uh, uh, hard body kicks, good calf kicks. He's a, as you mentioned though, he's a weak defense wrestler. But to his credit, he he does well to get back up to his feet. Um, he does defend takedowns by uh, landing like elbows. He he likes the the downward Travis Brown elbows. But I'm worried about his chin. I mean, you go back to his last UFC fight. He was knocked out by Jim Crute. uh Cardio is good. Uh, he's fought championship rounds. Uh, his last actually, so I think Chadwick was maybe two fights ago. but his last fight, he got a fourth round stoppage. Um, I really want to pick Pedro, but I'm I'm not very high on him. But Picasso is, as you mentioned, is a very low level talent too. You have, you seem more like you, neither one of us seem high on either guy, but you seem a little bit more confident on Pedro. I'm not like I'm not that confident. Uh, I, will, I I'm really on the fence. Like I will go with Pedro. I think you know being his home crowd, crowd rocking put a little pressure on his opponent. So again, give me Pedro by decision in a really ugly fight that I have no confidence in.
0: The five fight main card of UFC 284 kicks off with a 205 pound matchup between Jimmy Crute and Alonzo Menafield. Crute, the 26 year old Australian is 12 and three overall. He is, four and three since joining the UFC out of the second season of Dana White's contender series. He is currently on a two fight losing streak, however. Uh, Back in April of 2021, he uh, had a doctor stoppage TKO at the end of the first round against Anthony Smith when his uh, leg basically gave out on him, then came back in December of that year and got knocked out by Jamal Hill in just 48 seconds, though, in fairness to Crute, that loss has aged pretty well as Hill has just turned into the kind of guy that does that to people. Uh, since then, after a full year and change off, he comes back looking to stem the bleeding against Menafield The 35-year-old Texas native is 13-3 and overall. He is 6-3 and three since joining the UFC as a two-time winner on the Contender Series. He won on the first season. Uh, taking out Daniel Jolly with a doctor stoppage between rounds came back on the second season, knocked out to Sean Boatwright in just eight seconds that finally punched his ticket to the big show where as mentioned, he is six and three since then he's on a two fight win streak. Those being uh, last June dealing out some cosmic justice to ask our uh for you know, offending the UF uh, the sure Dog fight finder and then coming back in October and knocking out Misha Serkanov in just a minute and 28 seconds. So he'll be looking to make it three in a row, just as Cruit hopes not to make it three in a row. Crute is the moderate favorite here. He's minus two ten, menafield plus one eighty. Uh Keith, I'll I'll kick this one to you. Uh Crute is one of those guys where I'm like, really? Is he still just 26 years old? that—that That is just wild to me. There is almost... Yeah,
1: I agree. I think he's been like 31 or something. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, like he's 26 years old. Uh, Menifield, 35, but I mean, physically seems to have shown no slippage. I mean, his losses are not because he's physically shot. Uh, how do you see this one going? Yeah, this is a tough one. Um, what would you say the odds were? Crute, minus minus two ten Menafield plus one eighty. Yeah, I can't believe
1: this fight is that big of a margin, but the uh Kulabal, Kulabal versus Bogdazarian is, is a yeah, pick em. Who's who's is 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 uh what was what's her name there? Uh uh Minty Mint, Minty Minty Betts? Minty Betts? Is, is she making the, these lines? Is or, is, going or is it Minty
0: Picks? Is it Minty Picks or Minty Betts? I can't remember.
1: It's Minty Betts. I just looked it up. Uh by the way, Ben, uh you're talking about you have much higher standards than I do, apparently. <laughs> and you're like, "Oh, she's not looking good."
0: I didn't say that. Like I said, she's, <laughs> I said she is an attractive intelligent listen, woman. I mean, uh,
1: listen, not you know, man. Not everyone can look as you know stunning as you are all the time. <laughs> you know uh, that's why our, our our ratings go through the roof. You know when when we get the video going. Um, where were we? Jimmy Kruen. <laughs> we're off the rails yes. on this one. Um. Yeah, Jimmy Curry, he's a plus athlete. I like that. Uh, I like that he likes to get down in the pocket. Uh, due to his youth, he kind of has this fearless style and, and with his power. Uh, though his last fight, Jamal Hill crushed his chin, so that might change a little bit. But in fairness, that loss obviously aged extremely well as, as now Hill is the champion. If he's taking control, he's a good pocket boxer, Uh Kicks are a great part of his game. Uh, best part of his striking, I'd say, good volume of kicks, sneaky high kick, likes push kicks, deep kicks up the middle, uh, good wrestler, good timing on his entries. Uh, I, I, I'd say he's a much better grappler than he is a striker, but I think his striking's come along a little bit. He's very good at winning scrambles. Uh, I've always talked about he, he follows the hip. He's good at winning the head battle, cutting the corner, just the little things that make a, a good wrestler. He does those well. He likes to advance position on the ground. He's got some strong ground and pound. And, again, you made this uh, point. He's 26. So, while we've written him off, this is, like, the time he should be making his UFC debut. So, um, that can be, like, a two-edged sword. Like, it's really good that you're only 26. But has his confidence been killed? Has he taken unnecessary early punishment like it, it goes both ways we we seen guys who are 26 now they turn around and we see other guys that just it never pans out uh, M- Medifield very similar great athlete uh pretty elusive fights behind high god he can be gun shy a little bit and i shouldn't say gun shy like he's you know um you know tentative to engage more if he's 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 pacing himself because he throws a lot of single strikes trying to land the perfect blow and the fight. He telegraphs a little bit, loading up on his shots and everything. Uh, I mentioned this before. He can overthrow his shots, which leaves him open to be countered. But if he lands, he's got some really good power. I mean, he, he showed it against Misha Serkinov if he connects. Uh, going back to the OSP fight, that's the one I thought was his worst performance. He really struggled to get inside. Uh, a guy, because of a length, and not that OSP is this massive guy for the weight class. But he, he struggled the inside. That's probably it. Uh, he tends to fight in spurts, and, and again, that's because he has to conserve his energy. I like his kicking game. Strong calf kicks, quick uh, high kick. Uh, a weak grappler, but he's shown improvements. Like, he showed improved takedown defense against Devin Clark, against Misha Serkinov. And his gas tank has improved, again, because I think he's matured and he's got wiser. If you asked me one year ago, I would have picked Krut easily. I'm like, there's no brainer. Krut's going to win this one. But based on the improved takedown defense, based on the elite power of Menefield and Krut's chin, I I think this is the fight that should be a pick 'em. I'm still going to go with Krut if Menefield stops takedowns from Krut too, who who um, might uh, on paper might not be as good of a wrestler on paper as um, Misha Serkinov and Devin Clark, but I think his He's craftier in MMA. He hides it better in MMA. If he can stop takedowns from Kroot, then I'm officially going to believe in his takedown defense. Kroot is the better grappler. I see he finds ways to get the fight there. Give me Kroot by decision, but not a two-to-one favorite, in my opinion. I think it should be a pick
0: Yeah, I feel a lot of the same things you do about this one. And there's, there's always the question of, yeah, Crude is 26. Well, I mean, he turns 27 in, in March, but still, like, really young, especially in the light heavyweight division where you can still compete at a high level. I mean, even leaving aside the Glover Teixeira's of the world, 37 is not old. Like, even if even if it was about to turn 37, not 27, 37 isn't old for light heavyweight. Uh, he should be improving. You can argue that he maybe isn't even at his his full power yet as a striker. But then he's been gone for 15 months. And it's after a weird freakish ankle injury and then a bad knockout. And I mean, the way he'll put him away. Yeah. I just, forget
1: about the ankle. That's a good point.
0: Like the, you know, head kicked him, then put him down with just this massive right hand, and then dove in and gave him like a standing to ground coffin nail that like just like left him like stiff, like Tank Abbott, John Matua shit. 15 months after that, I'm not as confident that he's a better fighter now. Certainly not a, as confident and willing to engage as, as he was. And you're right. Like, Menifield's been incrementally improving. Uh, I didn't completely write him off, but I sort of put him in one category after the Clark fight. I I, I don't even... I don't feel as bad about the OSP fight because as long as OSP is on two legs, he's going to get some freakish knockouts and some freakish submissions. But the Clark fight where Clark just outlasted him and outgassed him and outhustled him. That's not as well considering that Devin Clark has turned into such a consist inconsistent and kind of head casey fighter. Uh, but since then, Benefield has looked solid. I mean, he didn't look great against Knight, but I thought he won that fight. Like in my book, Benefield should be on a five fight win streak right now. And if he were, he'd probably be taking on a, a top 10 opponent uh, this month inst- instead of, like, the returning Kroot. Uh I like that you mentioned Menafield's arsenal of kicks. I have found myself thinking over and over again that if he threw more leg kicks, it would stand him in good stead. There's such a weapon for him. His, his leg kicks are so hard and hard to counter. Like, he's you know, he's good at not throwing him naked. He's good at keeping his guard up while he does it. Uh, I wish he'd throw more of them. Like, just six or 10 of those in the first round of each of his fights would make all those fights look really different. I don't know if this is the fight where he gets started on that. Uh but I'm going to go with the uh, with the upset here. Just because of Menafield's steady improvement, because of croup being more of an unknown quantity, uh I'm going to say Menafield at least keeps this thing standing enough uh to win two rounds off of off of Kroot. So give me Menafield to get easily the best win of this three fight win uh streak and uh yeah maybe jump up in the, into the rankings here
1: yeah if he wins I think would be matchmaking probably
0: yep for sure I mean also we're gonna match on this main card
1: <laughs> yeah good point
0: because the rest of the main card it either doesn't matter or they're really obvious yeah yeah
1: yeah got I wonder who Josh Emmett and, and Yayo Rodriguez should fight next
0: next up. On the UFC 284 main card, we get to the obligatory unranked heavyweight slobber knocker, and this one is about as unranked as they get. It is Justin Taffa versus Parker Porter. Taffa, the 29-year-old Australian, is 5-3 overall. He's 2-3 in the UFC. He has not fought in a little over a year, but uh, his last win was a first round head kick knockout of harry hunsucker back at ufc fight night lewis versus Dawkins. that was december of 2021 prior to that he lost back-to-back fights to carlos felipe and jared vandera he'll look to make it two wins in a row against porter the 37 year old connecticut native is 12 and 7 overall he's three and two in the ufc uh he lost his last time out it was a First-round submission loss to Jailton Almeida last May. Prior to that, he had won three in a row over Josh Parisian, Chase Sherman, and Alan Bodell. All of that after his uh, debut loss to Chris Daukus back in 2020. Uh, odds on this one, fairly close, but Taffa is the slight favorite. He's minus 140, uh, Porter plus 120. Keith, this is... <laughs> I said during the intro... And I'm going to stick with it. This is the worst fight you can make in the UFC heavyweight division between two people who haven't fought each other yet. Uh, I mean, Justin Toffa is two and three in the UFC. His wins are over Harry Huntucker and Juan Adams. <clears throat> His losses are... This guy has lost to Jorgen Castro and Jared Vandera, and he is fighting on a UFC main card in 2023. Yeah. Parker Porter? Yeah, he won three in a row, but it was Josh Parisian, Chase Sherman, and Alan Bodeau. Like the, the two, the two good UFC heavyweights that Porter has fought have destroyed him. Giles and Almeida destroyed him. Chris Dawkus destroyed him. Uh, and that was before Chris Dawkus really had his little, like, I'm good at fighting phase. This was like yeah. bad, flabby Chris Dawkus, like outstruck Porter badly. Taffa, dude, his wins are over Harry Huntsucker and Juan Adams. He has lost to Jorgen DeCastro. And Jared Vandera, this, I, I, I don't even know how to elaborate on it. I mean, this was this was a last minute, not last minute matchup, but fairly short notice. Tafa was supposed to take on uh, Austin Lane, which I mean, that wouldn't have been that much of an upgrade. We're talking about a guy who got plunked by Greg Hardy on the Contender Series a couple years ago, <laughs> yeah. but this is rough. I mean, it. it, it It pays off, like the UFC's gamble here pays off if we get just a nasty knockout in the first round. If we don't get a nasty knockout in the first round, this thing settles down to a slog. Uh, (laughs) Taffa's, Taffa's fights that have gone the distance have been rough viewing. And Porter's three wins in a row were all by decision, and they were not appointment viewing either. I'm a little surprised that Taffa's the favorite here uh Porter has at least fought the better fighters he fought John Jones that's true he did fight John Jones <laughs> like he hey if, if
1: I saw someone tweet this if if Paco Porter can if, if John Jones can win the title and Parker Porter can go on like a seven fight win streak you get the rematch Jones versus for.
0: Porter too for all the marbles <laughs> and then we'd have to have a trilogy that's yeah. <laughs> um I mean each of these guys has something they do better than the other. Like Porter's got pretty good leg kicks. Tafa has more one shot power in his hands. I mean, yeah. Porter for a guy that is built like just a circus strong man. Yeah. Like he's, he's just built like a barrel. He's not that hard a hit her with his punches. Yeah. Like
1: his, his training is like, he's got a plane tied up to his teeth and he's walking like a hundred yards.
0: <laughs> uh, you know, Taffa definitely a, a harder puncher, but I think this fight should probably be about a pick 'em. I'm actually leaning Porter here because uh, I think this thing is going three rounds. Yeah. And Porter has shown that at the deliberate pace he likes to fight, he is still effective in the third round of a fight. So give me Porter to chip away with uh, leg kicks, probably win some sloppy, or at least hold his own in some sloppy clinch battles, not get lamped with a big overhand right. And uh, win two rounds out of three and walk away with the decision.
1: You ever see those like strongman competitions where they have, like those big balls they pick up?
0: And they have to set them up on the thing? Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely.
1: You think Parker Porter's has ever picked up one of those? Probably. <laughs> it just seemed like that'd be part of his training somehow. Yeah. Like, oh god, I feel like this is like the, uh, the Bill and Ted's uh, movie, like the third movie. What I mean by that is like... I saw Bill and Ted's number two. I don't know the name of the one. his Journey was the second yeah, one. Yeah, that was like the worst movie I've ever seen in my life. And then like 20 years later, they have a third one. And uh, I'm like, you can't get any worse than the second one. And you watch it. You like, you should have known. Like, <laughs> like the, this is the that you should have known to the UFC. Like, Bill and Ted's, I, I'd rather talk about Bill and Ted number three, whatever name of that movie. That was the worst movie I've ever seen in my entire life. Oh, what is that? It's, it's right up there with that. Uh, I don't want to say the name because I don't want to get sh- shut off. But that, what was it? Was it uh, Space Odyssey uh, two thousand
0: one? Two thousand one.
1: Yeah. Oh my God. That oh, was Bill and terrible. Ted
0: faced the music.
1: Oh my God! It's the worst movie I've seen. It's right up there. I don't know what's worse. Somehow they should combine them. Uh, that's how I feel. This fight is like like you see, You know how bad this is going to be, and then you put it on the main card. Like you actually people paying. Like if you if what's this seventy seventy five dollars? That's right, seventy five dollars pay view. Yeah. So you break it up into five fights So you say you know this is like you're paying like 14 dollars. You, you know or what, 15 dollars 15, yeah, $15. 15 you're paying 15 dollars to watch parker potter and justin duffer for each other um tough is a huge heavyweight i mean he's a huge guy he's a southpaw very boxing style uh quick hands he he loves throwing an uppercut Definitely plus power. He landed a beautifully timed high kick against Harry Hunsaker last fight. Like his last fight was exciting, mm-hmm. uh, but he has like a lot of decent defensive flaws. He lacks head movement. He likes to just duck under his forearms. Uh, he can be too aggressively and open the counters like he did against Jorgen DeCastro. We haven't seen much of his ground game. In fantasy, in his last fight, he did sprawl and spin behind uh, Harry Hunsaker in the match. So so that was like he understands the basic, uh, you know, um Moves you teach six, six-year-olds in wrestling. Uh, he, but he almost got submitted by Harry so- <laughs> so, uh hey,
0: dude, hey, Harry Hunsucker is the, the or- origin of the Kentucky Judo Federation meme. I mean. <laughs> it's true.
1: That's true. Um, Parker Porter, minus athlete, also a massive dude. Like, he he's the biggest legs I've ever seen. Yeah, I've described as a lumbering, plotting guy. He's slow, but he is gritty. He'll march forward. Throwing basic combinations, um, winging overhand right. He does have some power. He has. let I me mean, you look at his legs. He has strong leg kicks. Also has defensive flaws. Keeps his head straight up. Uh, I've talked about this before. He he he. His chin is high. I shouldn't say head shot, His chin is high, but he dips to the same side over and over again. Where I, someone really like. Merkel Krokop would have just high kicked him into Bolivia. It. It, it's very he, he does what Kamara Usen did against Leon Edwards, where he like le- le- always dip into the left and Leon Edwards um got him to go that way into the high kick. Like it's it's someone's gonna kick his head off. Um he just tries to walk through shots. He doesn't try to avoid them. Uh, he also makes constantly makes the mistake of trying to, and I've said this before but even the score. If he gets hit, he's trying to tag you on the hard back, uh, which leaves him open. He is an okay wrestler. He, he took Alan Bodeau down. He took Chase Sherman down. Josh Parisian down. So he's he's taken down. I mean, not the, <laughs> you know, not Cale Sanderson over here, but you know, he did take Alan Bedo down. Uh, he has three submissions on his record, even though he's been fighting for hundred years now. I've, I've already talked way too much about this fight. I'm going to New England. Give me give me Parker Porter by decision.
0: Hey, there you go. Your lone, at least so far, unanimous upset pick of uh, this edition of the Shillin' and Duffy show. Why the fight's so bad?
1: dude. Uh, I, I was trying to add some nonsense, and I don't know if the Bill and Ted thing was good. It was.
0: I, I think it was pretty good. Uh, okay. Porter's, Porter's first fight in the UFC, the Dawkus fight, that was one of the first uh, ones we previewed together. Like, that was back when you were still doing it on, like, the Loudmouth SoundCloud page, and we would just embed them. on Like, it was you, yeah. me, and Feely all, all did it together. Yeah. Like, and I just remember you being like, dude, Park Reporter sucks. He's not going to. Like, Mark I sucks. just think it's funny that he's still in the UFC, like, the UFC. almost three years later. I mean, good on him, dude. Like, I'm sure. Yeah, that- no, no. Like, yeah. Like,
1: like he's a nice dude. He's a the ultimate journeyman. Like, I'm glad that he can call himself a UFC veteran. And yeah, now that he's got wins.
0: A six-fight UFC veteran. He's three and two in the UFC. He's We're picking him to be four country. in the UFC. You know that he uh, will make more on Saturday than he had made in his entire pre-UFC career because you know he was fighting for like eight hundred dollars. Oh, oh, you know? not
1: even. I don't think he's gonna make that much. I, I What was it, Um Joe Ginnetti said he made fifty bucks in ticket sales fighting. Or, or was it 25? It was something like stupid. Like, oh, they give me 25 bucks, but I get a portion of the ticket sales. And because they're on UFC Fight Pass, it gives me like uh, attention or something like I'm like, come on,
0: exposure. dude. Oh, yeah, you're working for Exposure, huh? Uh, yeah, like. Rough, man. Third from the top at UFC 284 is a welterweight matchup between Jack De La Maddalena and Randy Brown. Della Madalena, the 26-year-old Australian uh, fighting in his hometown. He's actually from Perth, where my sister lives. Uh, he's 13-2 and two overall. He's 3-0 since joining the UFC out of the 2021 season of Dana White's Contender Series. Uh, all three of his wins, first-round knockouts. He knocked out Pete Rodriguez last January, came back in June, knocked out Ramazan Ameev. and in November at UFC Fight Night, Zechikwu versus Kudalaba he knocked out Danny hot chocolate Roberts going to make it or going to look to make it four wins in a row and really paint himself as someone to reckon with in the UFC welterweight division standing in his way is Brown uh, and standing over him is Brown. The 32 year old Jamaican American is 16 and four overall He's 10 and four in the UFC. Uh, had mixed results in the early going, but he is currently on a four fight win streak. Uh, starting back in April of 2021, he has a first round submission of Alex Oliveira and then unanimous decision win over Jared Gooden, a split decision win over uh, Chaos Williams at UFC 274 last May, and most recently, uh, back in October, at UFC Fight Night Dern versus Jan, he has a unanimous decision win over Francisco Trinaldo. So uh, one man looking for his fourth straight UFC win, the other looking for his fifth straight. Something's got to give. The odds makers say that uh, Brown's going to be the one to get the streak snapped. Della Modelana, a strong favorite, minus 325, Brown plus
1: 270.
0: <laughs> That's big. Yeah. Uh, Keith, give me your take on on this fight. Uh, I know from my standpoint, I'm surprised at how well positioned both these gar- guys are in the UFC welterweight division right now. Uh, but let me know if you yeah. agree and who you think wins this one.
1: Yeah, it's definitely one of the um, – I always, I always think of the UFC as like the – the depth of the you know, the range of the best is usually 135 to 170. Like, that's – those are your toughest divisions. And for both these guys to kind of be on the runs there are in this division and kind of being on the just the outside of the top 15 uh, is impressive. This is a good matchup. This really is. Um, it, it, I I kind of dogged the UFC when I said this, you know, the main card sucks. But, again, if you add in Robert Whitaker and – Paul Costa as they planned, and then uh, Alex Perez and Kai Car France. You know, add those two with the three fights we have left to to predict. It's a, it's a solid main card. Yeah, uh, and this fight is right up there. This is um, two really good talents. Um, Randy Brown. He, he's got a lot of experience. Um, been in UFC for a while. He's extremely big for the weight class, tall, long, and lengthy. Moves well. He's an outfighter that, you know, he knows he has to work behind his long jab, a uh, bit of an up jab. He kind of hangs his hands a little low for my liking, but he's got quick hands, uh, very good kicking game. Uh, he, because he has these long legs, he is open to calf kicks and big targets. Uh, I go back to like Vicente Luque dropped him with light kicks, but I like that he understands it's either all the way out or all the way in. He's not going to pocket box with you. If, if you get inside, he's going to start looking for plum clinch. Due to his height, he gets. He, Good knees, good elbows. Uh, He will wrestle a little bit. Uh, Very Michael Chiesa long arm style. Likes upper body locks. We can kind of use that like tall man strength. Uh, He needs to improve his overall top game, like his controlling. But he has four submission wins, and he's shown an ability that he's hard to hold down. Like, uh, yeah, like like Gilbert Burns or someone like that. Uh, You know, Kamara Usman would. But you're Without being the elite of the division, like he, he's hard to hold out. Jack Madalena, I mean, I mean, he, I love this kid. Everybody loves this kid. He, he is the absolute sniper on the feet, dangerous from both stances. Uh, he's he's your builder. He picks up the pace as the fight moves on, and that's because he's setting traps. He's learning um, short, tight shots. Not a lot of tells. Very accurate, elusive. Good footwork. Good at cutting angles. Uh, I love that he works the body, really good vision to void shots. He's hard to hit when he gets in close. I love that. He looks for elbows. He's got good power and he hasn't really even come into his power years and he already has 10 knockouts. He is open to leg kicks uh, because he's heavier on his front foot. Uh, that's probably the only thing about, he doesn't check leg kicks, um, but he's so accurate. If you want to throw a leg kick, you better, you better uh, disguise it well because he's going to counter it with something good. He has a judo background. Uh, He will shoot for some takedowns without sitting on so I don't like that, but he's good at winning scrambles, very funky-style wrestler. Uh, I've seen him in scrambles throwing out like, Grammy rolls and stuff, and and he's hard to take down. I'm all in on Madalena. This is a step-up in competition. When you go over the guys he's fought compared to now Randy Brown, like, this definitely is a step-up for him, but I, I think he passes it with flying colors. I think he gets right in the mix. I think he gets in Brown's face. Tags him. He's too fast for him, too accurate. Like Again, getting past the leg kicks, uh, the long legs, I should say, more. uh, It's going to be a little tough, Uh, and the jab. Brown's really tough, so I think he makes the second, but I think is just going to overwhelm him. I think he's going to land power shots, maybe throw him in a judo throw, but I like like the stand-up. I think he makes it, even though Brown will try to close the pocket, and Brown's best bet was probably maybe – getting the clinch channel in those knees, but I think Madalena's going to be too fast. I think Madalena's going to knock him out. Give me Madalena by second round knockout.
0: <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you here that this is a, it's a big step up in competition for Della Madalena. Uh, it isn't for Brown. Like, Brown has already fought some of the best that the division has to offer. I mean, you know, aside from his weird early loss to to Michael Graves, you know, like, Bilal Muhammad, Nico Price, Vicente Luque, all very good fighters. Um all, you know, kind of e- even Price, you know, on the right night is like a top 15 quality guy just in terms of what he brings offensively and then Luque and Muhammad just literally literally ha- have been in the top 10. Uh <clears throat> so this is this will be a fight that if Madalena wins convincingly, he will have proven something. Uh you know, he puts himself in some pretty select company and he has a definite route to victory that you've kind of described get inside of a uh, Brown's preferred range and uh, you know, do his damage there and not let Brown do the all the way out all the way in uh, thing. Like, so it's not going to be an easy task. I mean, he might make it look easy, but, but on paper, it's a challenging thing to do. It's something that not a whole lot of people have done to Brown and there are other question marks, you mentioned that Brown is a sneaky, good offensive wrestler. Like He doesn't usually look to do it, but he can, and he's surprisingly effective at it. And none of Jack De La Maddalena's UFC opponents have even been in there with him long enough to really test his defensive wrestling or his ground game. But you go back to his appearance on the Contender Series uh, back in late 2021, uh, Angelusa, like got on top of Della Maddalena in a scramble, actually got all, all the way to side control before Della Maddalena, just kind of on sheer athleticism, just kind of like popped up and out of there. But for someone like Brown, that's like sneaky good with submissions has just tricky long arms and legs, which is why he's got like guillotines and triangles. Like there, there's plenty of danger here for Jack Della Maddalena. So I'm with you. Like uh, obviously the bulk of our conversation Saturday night's going to be devoted to whatever happens in the main event, since like the co-main is pretty cut and dried, like what the stakes are. But if Jack Della Maddalena knocks it out of the park here, like he's gonna get the lion's share of of the rest of the talk. And I'm with you. I think I I think he gets it done. Um Gimme Della Maddalena to win uh, a lopsided decision here that leaves no doubt. And I almost hope that he's able to navigate some of the threats that uh, Brown can pose to him just and answer that many more questions about himself as a guy that's just 26 years old and is all of a sudden a new person of interest in this division. With that, we come to the co-main event of UFC 284, a featherweight title matchup between Yair Rodriguez and Josh Emmett. Rodriguez, the 30-year-old Mexican, is 14-3 and three with one no contest overall. He is 9-2 and two with one no contest in the UFC. Uh, he won his last time out. He was in the midst of a competitive first round against Brian Ortega when Ortega's shoulder all of a sudden basically came out of the socket, wouldn't go back in. The thing was over late in the first round, and everybody was frustrated. Prior to that, uh, he had lost a fairly competitive decision to former champ max holloway that was in the headliner of ufc fight night 197 back in november of 2021 uh he's going to look to pick up a belt here at the expense of perennial contender emmett the 37 year old californian is 18 and 2 overall he is 9 and 2 in the ufc He is on a five-fight win streak since his February 2018 loss to Jeremy Stevens. He has beaten Michael Johnson, Mursad Bektic, Shane Burgos, Dan Ige, and Calvin Cater. The most recent of those, the Cater win was a split decision in the headliner of UFC on ESPN 37 back in June. Odds favor Rodriguez. He is minus 165, Emmett plus 140. Keith... These guys have a ton of differences, like their skill sets, their body types, about as different as as you can get. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Personalities, everything. Yeah. yeah.
0: Personalities. One thing they have in common is that these guys don't fight often enough. Yeah. I mean, almost the only thing, especially Rodriguez, but like at the same time, Emmett is just like combination of just fighting like twice a year, getting the occasional injury and one or two inopportune losses. I mean, there's every chance that he would have had a title shot by now, you know, if he'd just been a little healthier and a little busier, I mean, he fought not at all in 2020 and then what, or sorry, not he fought once a year in 2020, 2021 and 2022, you
1: know, that's just not. Yeah, There's a couple of factors that hurt him. One is just the killer division. Yeah, and then another thing is his personality. Like he's, he's, he's just dry. your, yeah. I, I, I think he's just your average guy. Like I don't think he's a, he's got a bad personality. He's just your average guy. Like he's not he's not flashy. He's doesn't, he doesn't talk a big game. Yeah, he tried talking a little bit more and this and that, but he's that's not him.
0: Yeah, it just kind of falls flat. He's and,
1: just your he's just your uh, all American wrestler kind of <laughs> you yeah.
0: Know. And and he's he's been against guys that is hard to do that to like cater Ege, shane burgos they're all just kind of yeah.
1: yeah that's a good point like guys that don't really draw it out of them
0: yeah you know you're gonna get a lot of press conferences that, that say you know i really respect him he's a tough guy but i just gotta yeah, impose yeah, my right. game plan and just
1: rodriguez might i mean he's got he, oh no know.
0: rodriguez yeah i yeah. mean
1: he's th- the guy he, that he'll talk a little bit i mean but even he's not I'm gonna say he's a trash target, he's more of like just like flashier, you know, who mm-hmm. wears sun, he'll probably wear sunglasses at the press conference, indoors, which always drives me crazy, you know. <laughs> so uh
0: yeah. But is Yair Rodriguez getting one of the least deserved UFC title shots in recent years?
1: Um how many how many five what he we're
0: on? One and it was, and it was a freakish oh. injury Yeah. prior right. to that. He lost to Holloway yeah. before that. I mean, he oh, yeah, beat he Jeremy trashed by and, yeah. and yeah. then he had I mean, the, the two fight series with Jeremy Stevens, but that was 2019
1: dude.
0: Yeah. Three years. He's one of yeah. one.
1: Yeah. When you think about the three guys that were kind of in the running him, Emmett and Arnold Allen, like the, you, you know, who's the guy that could be left out. Uh, It was, you know, Arnold the guy. You could have, you can make the argument that Rodriguez should be the one who was left out. But it it was kind of that thing where you have like markability versus, you know, how much well deserved you are. Mm -hmm. And Emmett was the highest, you know, guy who's kind of, I want to say he doesn't have the markability, but if you go just straight on merit, he probably deserves it most.
0: And then Allen's personality is even drier than Emmett's.
1: Yeah, and I don't know. It's like the, you have two guys that are going off of merit. You go with a guy that's, you know, higher ranks, beating the higher rank guys. Go with him for that, and and then Rodriguez. You need somebody to kind of get over
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mexico and all that. So, but yeah, to answer your question, it it is. I don't know if it's the most you know, you know least deserving
0: one, but it's but I mean, it's it's in the category. Yeah, it's it's in there, man. He's one and one in the last three years. Yeah and I mean, win I mean, was a weird injury.
1: And of course we're talking about like modern we're not yeah, talking modern. about yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's, we're not
0: talking about Aaron Brink or yeah. you know it, it, you know or like Paul Boyntello or something, yeah.
1: Yeah, when uh, Justin Eilers got a title shot, even though he like, got knocked out the fight before, like yeah. you know, just
0: yeah, sorry, but, not 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 uh Aaron yeah, I, I mean you. Justin Eilers, yeah.
1: Yeah. It, it, but if you you know, you if you want to say from a certain point where you know, tough era, yeah, post tough or yeah. <laughs> I mean, you could argue that Matt Sarah didn't deserve his title shot, but yeah, uh, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's definitely up there. But, yeah, it just and and, and and it also has to give the guys like like the Brock Lesnar going talk. That's a whole different category. Sure, you sure. know, like they're, they're those they're those people who jump the line over everybody is, is a little different. But, yeah, yeah Rodriguez, um, that said, he is an elite talent.
0: And he's favored. I mean, you can't judge these things he based is. solely on the result, but uh, enough people think he's going to get it done that uh, he's minus 165.
1: So. Well, I'm really surprised by that. I would have guessed that I, if you asked me what the betting odds, I would have said, like, negative 125 favorite most. And I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even know to guess who was going to be the favorite. Like, I think this is. You know, if you ask me, what's the one fight should be the closest? I would have said probably this one. Now I, I'm not going to pick that way. Yeah. Okay. Like I'm actually pretty confident in my pick for one of the fighters, but just guessing what the odds would have been. Like I think if you got a hundred people in a room and say who's going to win, no, I think it'd be 50 people Sam Rodriguez, 50 people Sam Emmett. Yeah. You want me to start breaking it up.
0: Yeah. I mean, just tell me—is Emmett going to find the halflings? You know. <laughs> um. <laughs>
1: Yeah, Josh Emmett and, and Yair Rodriguez. Let me ask you this the UFC wants Yair to win,
0: correct? Oh, hell yes. Yes. I mean, they yeah. they want champs that are exciting in the cage and exciting on the mic, not necessarily in that order. And he's younger. He's younger. If he ever gets his shoes tied right, he'd presumably be like more of an active champ than Emmett would be. Because, dude, yeah. Emmett's going to fight once once per year for the rest of his career, however long that is. And it's probably not more than another two years. Yeah.
1: And 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 again, the way they fight too. I mean, Rodriguez. I mean, he's excited. He's he's all about his athleticism. He's one of the best athletes in the entire sport.
0: I mean, he, w- w- which guy would you be excited more excited to see? Uh, Volkanovski return and fight like by the end of this year.
1: Um, it is not going to matter. Volkanovski to trash both of them. Well, I <laughs> I, I agree, but <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. who would I be more excited? Um, Rodriguez because of the... Like, who's a bigger threat to him? Rodriguez. I mean, yeah, Rodriguez, Rodriguez can yeah, snipe yeah, him. Yeah. Emmett would have to Rodriguez,
0: fight perfectly for five rounds.
1: Yeah, he could still throw a flying knee. He could still land a high kick. He could land something perfectly. Like, where Emmett Emmett would have to outpoint him. And I just, I, I can't imagine that happening against Volk. I think Volk, I, I like Josh Emmett. I really do as a person. Like, I've interviewed him a bunch of times. He's just like, he's just one of the like, good guys, overachiever, kind of. Like, when he joined the UFC, you're talking about a guy like middle middle of the card kind of guy like never really you know he he came in with team alpha male had uh, cody garbrand tj dillis all these guys and he he, he chad mendez was still on the team then and and uri faber and all this like he wasn't the guy you were to talk about he was the you know if you if you if you reach out to team alpha male set up an interview he's he he's six or seven of the choice
0: oh down. yeah it's like it's like is danny castillo still fighting can i talk to him <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah.
1: I heard Sage Othgott was, was in yeah. the uh, gym. Is, is he around? You know? Yeah. Um, so I, I'd like guys like that. Like, I'd like guys that have overachie. I like that he has this little chip on his shoulder of like, even he, when he was, he was talking about people betting against him. He's like, yeah, I'm not gonna do any more interviews with all these people. I always say, I don't say no to interviews and people picking against me. Like, I like this little bit of like me against the world attitude. Yeah. Um, but I mean, Rodriguez is the guy that he's more exciting. I mean, he's a he's he's, like I said, he's one of the best athletes in the in the entire sport. He's an outfighter with good volume, really good striking, uh, good boxing, nice jab, decent pop. His kicks are sensational. I mean, tons of kicks, great teep kicks, blazing fast high kicks, great calf kicks. Some of the best body kicks in the history of the game. Uh, he's also added these oblique kicks in, which, in it was where they call oblique. I just think the obliques are like his stomach, but the, those kicks to the knees that John Jones likes mm-hmm. to do. Uh, I, I I like that he follows his kicks into his punches, like his kicks set up his punches. Uh, I, I've told this before. Like I was there in Boston when he fought uh, Jeremy Stevens, and I did the the uh, public workout and him kicking the pads was louder than Dominic Cruz kick I oh, was me Dominic uh, Reyes kicking the pads jeez it's it was it was something that I was just like and I was you know for sure they let me go up real close I was like basically uh, standing on the on the ropes of the boxing ring you know and, and right there and it was just like wow it like his kicks are incredible uh spinning attack it said he was doing that stuff he was doing spinning Attacks. Obviously, he was he's at detained, too. He gets he gets that part of it too. So he was doing even more stuff than he does in fights. Uh arrow attacks, flying knees. Uh he hasn't been much of an offensive grappler, and he has struggled defensively grappling, but it was been a really long time. And like you gotta go back to the Frankie Edgar fight, was when he really showed a big hole in his grapple. Come on you're talking about one of the greatest. MMA gra- uh, wrestlers of all time, mm-hmm. and like a hundred years ago. Now, of course, he hasn't been matched against wrestlers. He also has been out, as you mentioned. He's been out, so it's like that's another reason why it's been so long. Uh, but you know, he had much better takedown defense against Jeremy Stevens. Uh, he made Jeremy Stevens like wrestle with him, which is surprising, causing a guy like that to want to wrestle. And he has gone; he has got experience. You know, five rounds, twenty-five minutes. Josh Emmett is thirty. He turns thirty-eight in a month. Yep. And I've been waiting. And again, I don't like saying these things about Josh Emmett because I just he's just he he he's not your Glover to share. But he isn't like I feel that you know like your your JV version of Glover to share. And what I mean by that is just like this guy just put his time in, put his time in, and now he's fighting for the title. Uh He's but I'm waiting for his bottoms just to drop out because, one, he's in the weight class that isn't for young guys, mm-hmm. and he's had some wars. I mean, you think about the Jeremy Stevens fight, the the Shane Burgos, Calvin Cater.
0: He's had some injuries, some pretty serious he's, ones. Yeah. Like,
1: tons. Remember, like, they thought he was never going to fight again with the, the Jeremy Stevens, like, broke his face. Yep. You know, and then you mentioned, uh, what was it? What was it? it? was Burgos' fight where he didn't he tear his ACL in the fight, like, the yep. first minute in the, in the fight? Yep. Yeah, and still showed how insanely tough the guy is. The, which is, I'll never get, I'll never get over, I'll never stop being amazed by MMA fighters who tear ACLs and finish fights, and you see NFL players can't finish, you know, the game. It's, 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 it's so incredible. You know, everybody who's done it. There's been a lot of guys who've done it. Uh, also, like his body, he's had a long wrestling career, so. um that can hurt, but that all that said, he's still like defying the odds, like putting Father Time on hold. He yes. continues to look he continues to look good. He's he's a short, stocky guy with quick hands, throws a lot of combinations. I think he's got good power in, in both of his hands. His short right is his his best punch. That's the one that probably uh if if he beats Rodriguez, that's he could be that shot right there, landing a big shot and putting him out. Uh, I like that he goes down to the body before going upstairs. Like he knows that his body shots set up his big power shots with his hands. Uh, he can forget to reload his shots a little bit and then bring them back to his, his face a little slow. So it leaves him open to counter. So he's got to worry about that. He also looks for the perfect fight ending shot a little too much. Like he, I said he t- throws combination, but he can get kind of into the same combination over and over again. He his lead leg is a, I mean he really sits on his punches but which is good to draw power but obviously that makes it a huge target um, to kick and because of his knee injuries even more reason to kick it. Uh, so he one thing I do love is that he's the guy that constantly ends every exchange by being the last one to land so um, that will leave him open to counters but he's good at making even exchanges he loses getting some points in there. If you know what I mean,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, he has a wrestling background, and a lot of people are going to talk about that. They're going to talk about, you know, this is an NCAA wrestler. Um, I can't, I, I don't remember if he's an All American, but still, Division. Well, one I mean, two. he was,
0: he was no, he wasn't Division One guy. He was an NAI guy. Oh, I'm sorry. Like but, 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 but,
1: but sorry, I'm sorry. So there, you go. So he definitely wasn't a Division yeah. One and two, but still, and he, that's still very high. And I, and,
0: I And early in his in his career, like he wrestled. More. Yeah, and yeah,
1: but and a lot of people who do these shows will talk about their wrestling and say, "Well, if you know, Joshua May can get some takedowns. He doesn't wrestle anymore. He hasn't wrestled forever. He's gotten one takedown in seven fights, um, and he doesn't even look for right, takedowns." Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah.
0: he has. I think nine takedowns in the UFC, or or like ten takedowns in the UFC, and like eight of them were against Scott Holtzman like outside of that one fight,
1: which is what you do when you go against you Holtzman. Yeah.
0: yeah. Like aside from that one fight, he has almost no takedowns in the UFC. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. And That's just not his game anymore. He's like an anti-wrestling. He's using his wrestling to keep the fight on the feet. Mm-hmm. Um, So in, uh, it, I don't know if he can wrestle anymore. I really don't. It, it, and I've said this about other wrestlers in the past. It, wrestling is such a hard thing to sustain at a high level for so long because it really is a, you know, get on the rope, shooting all the shots underneath it, drill with your part. It's not, it's a grind. There's a reason why wrestlers do it for three months a year and not four months a year and not, I mean, I know, no, hand me, hand me out. I understand that guys wrestle year round, like the best ones, but I'm saying like the season is three months because of how hard it is. If Emmett was younger, I would feel better about his chances. If he still wrestled, I would feel much better. But I I think this is the wrong opponent for him. And I think Rodriguez kicks him into oblivion. I think he's too fast for him. I think he destroys him with body kicks, leg kicks. I think he might even land a big shot. I'm going to say Rodriguez knocks him out. Give me Rodriguez by third-round knockout. Something like a high kick or something.
0: Honestly, as much as I enjoyed that entire breakdown, you said my whole piece in no. the last 20 seconds. No,
1: no. <laughs> it was great. Like I really enjoyed all that. You're full of shit. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I just, I, you could sum up my whole take on this fight in the last 20 seconds uh, of what you said. If Emmett were a little younger, if Emmett were, had demonstrated that his wrestling was still a viable weapon, I feel better about his chances here, but no, like, this is going to be rough for him just because of Rodriguez's speed and power advantages. Emmett would well, in a different way than he would have to be to beat Volkanovski. He's going to have to be, he would have to be near perfect here for five rounds. Because if there's one thing we know about Rodriguez, you can be literally one second away from beating him. And yeah, that's great. You can find a way to to you. Right. because, uh, you know, he was, I mean, he was about to lose to. Chan Sung Jung. Like, that's what sometimes people forget. is, Yeah, it was a great fight. Knocked him out in the final second. He was also one second away from losing a decision. Uh, uh, historically, Emmett's been pretty tough to hurt. Like, he's been in some wars. He's been rung up a few times, but just flat out finished. It took Jeremy Stevens uh, in the fight that really people hold up as the evidence that Stevens is a knockout artist. Like, you know, Steven sat him down with a huge punch and then just jackhammered him with a couple elbows. And that's what it took to put him away. I'm with you. I think Rodriguez is the first person since Stevens to to finish Emmett. And likely he sets it up by just feeding him a steady diet of kicks to the legs and body. Maybe he takes a, a kick upstairs, puts Emmett down and finishes it with a couple of coffin nails. But uh gimme Rodriguez by fourth round uh, knockout here. With that, we come to the main event of UFC 284, a lightweight title matchup between reigning champ Islam Makachev and challenger Alexander Volkanovsky, the reigning featherweight champ who is moving up and challenging uh, Makachev in a bid for two division glory. Makachev, the 31-year-old Dagestani, is 23 and one overall. He is 12 and one in the UFC. He has won 11 straight fights. That streak has brought him all the way to the pinnacle of the division, uh, once ruled over by his mentor, Khabib Nurmagomedov. Over the last couple of years, uh, he is on a streak of five straight uh, finishes. Uh, Choked out Drew Dober in March of 2021, just under uh, two years ago. Choked out Tiago Moises in July of that year. Tapped out Dan Hooker with a Kimura at UFC 267 in October of 2021, came back in February of last year, took on short notice Bobby Green and put a quick and ugly end to Green's resurgence with a first round TKO on the ground and came back in October of last year at UFC 280 and wrested the title away from Charles DeBronx Oliveira with a second round arm triangle choke submission. This will be the first defense of that 155 pound title and standing in his way will not be any of the usual suspects at 155 pounds of which there is no shortage. And he hasn't fought any of them yet, hasn't fought Gaethje or Chandler or Poirier or any of them. But instead, it will be Volkanovski in a super fight that seemed to just sort of make itself and then snuck up on us due to the uh, surprising shortage of publicity that we talked about off the top. Volkanovski, the 34 year old Australian, is 25 and 1 overall. He is a perfect 12 and 0 in the UFC. He has won a stupendous 22 straight fights since an early career loss at Welterweight in like his fourth fight. He has won and defended the UFC featherweight title now four times. Uh, won it from Max Holloway, defended against Holloway, Brian Ortega. Chan Sung Jung, and Holloway once again. The most recent of those was at UFC 276, where he took another competitive, yet somehow at the same time, one-sided unanimous decision over the Hawaiian. Despite Volkanovski's incredible unbeaten streak, despite his complete dominance of his division, the odds makers are strongly in the corner of Makachev here, perhaps owing to uh, his dominance of the next bigger division, perhaps due to the... Uh, obvious size difference between the two. Makachev is minus 400. volkanovsky plus 300. Keith, we talked about it on the during the opening segment, so I won't belabor or revisit here. Just suffice it to say that this one is right up there with the highest level fights that has ever been put together in mixed martial arts, especially since the sport has reached this era. I mean, yeah, when... Hoist Gracie beat Ken Shamrock at UFC one. They might've been the two best no holds barred fighters in the world, but uh, yeah. Oh, I mean, I guess by definition they basically were, but this is unbelievable. The, I mean, the skills, yeah. the, the level of intelligence, and we've talked about it. You've talked about it more than me. You've championed it and I've had to kind of get on the bus. Alexander Volkanovsky might be the most intelligent and well-coached fighter in the history of the sport, like picking up the torch from like your Randy Couture's back yeah. in the early right. 2000s from your Dominic Cruises, from your Demetrius Johnson working Demetrius, with Matt Hume. Yeah. Like, he is almost, yeah. I mean, basically he's an underdog and I understand why he's an underdog, sure. but if you were to pick a fighter to take those physical disadvantages that he's going to have and figure out a way to beat <laughs> yeah. Islam Makachev. You're That's gonna it. go with uh, right. Alex Volkanovsky and Eugene Behrman and a couple months to to, to run. That's tape. right.
1: That's right. Absolutely.
0: On the flip side, there's a bit on at stake for City Kickboxing here. All of a sudden, <laughs> yeah. Volkanovski is the big man on campus. I mean, he was always, not always, but over the past couple of years, he's been the better and more dominant fighter than Israel Adesanya. But he was never the big name on the walls yeah. because of the difference in personality and flash and size. But I mean, if like Volkanovsky is, is the dude flying the flag for city kickboxing right now, Absolutely. I mean,
1: yeah, well, I, I know one thing that they kind of I obviously out of sign is a bigger personality flashier, and everything. I, I think also another reason that goes with that is that fact that he's he's only there part time. He also um, trains with uh, Joe Lopez. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not always a city kickboxing. So right. um, so I think that goes a little bit with it. But yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying.
0: This fight, we're both on record. I, I've certainly been on record as saying I don't like champ versus champ super fights unless somebody's really, really cleaned out their division. Like, I was fine with uh, Adesanya challenging Jan Bohovic just because yeah. he was already on the rematch circuit in his own division. Volkanovski was getting there. I mean... Otherwise he'd be fighting either Rodriguez or Emmett this weekend. And I mean, there's a certain amount of sizzle to that, but I thought he'd earned the right to go big game hunting. Does any part of that bother you? Or are you just happy to see this fight happen? Or does it bother you more that Makachev isn't fighting like Poirier or somebody?
1: No, absolutely not. I, I, I don't mind the super fights when it's, when it's earned. And and if anybody's ever earned it, ever Mokonofsky. Yeah. I mean, it's, To me, when he was willing to fight Max Holloway a third time, with everything to risk and nothing to gain, again for a guy that you've already beaten twice, just because you weren't satisfied with how bad you beat in the second time, I mean that was a close fight. To me, call your shot. Like, tell me what you want.
0: He's earned. He's got the bucket of goodwill that he can. Yeah, I'm. I'm with you there. Yeah. Uh, give me your breakdown of this fight, man. Like, uh. You, obviously, you know, you and I are huge fans of Volkanovsky's approach and skill set, but at the same time, Makachev, the resume behind him might not be the same, but he's as dominant over his current division as any, like th- there's there's nobody in his division right now waiting for him that would be better than a plus 300 underdog like Volkanovsky is.
1: Yeah, yeah. So his his run up to the title, you know, we talk about the run that Volkanovsky, I mean, his, his run up to the title was super, like, it, the not knock of me, like he wasn't beating the top ranked guys, but the way he was beating everybody was like holy crap! Like this guy, yeah, he's being the fifteenth best lightweight, and we're and most people are saying like, no, this this might be the best guy. And what he did to Charles Oliveira, I mean, we talk about how dominant Charles Oliveira was, and he what he did. Um, I think it was Joe Rogan who said this when Charles Oliveira goes on this unbelievable run, and he, people aren't even talking about a rematch. Like that shows you how good uh, is on which goes back to what I was talking about the marketing. I really think that the UFC dropped the ball. I mean, it, and a lot of times the UFC marketing comes down to the week of the fight. So that, like, a lot of that changes, you know. But to me, you know, one of your competition, even though they don't like it, and it's a little different. But boxing is a little bit of a competition. And, like, the big thing about boxing is the two best guys don't fight each other. It just doesn't happen. Like, they're not willing to to take the risk. You know, you think about Floyd Mayweather and Manny Pacquiao. It took years and years to basically Pacquiao was kind of nearing yeah. like, the end, and might as well Floyd, get the. Floyd huge... was
0: smart. He fought Canelo too early. He fought Pacquiao too late.
1: Yeah, yeah, I know the big one right now, Crawford and Spence. They, they won't fight each other, even though yeah. they're the two best guys. To me, like that's what you sell. Like these guys are willing to test themselves. Makachev is not saying they're both testing themselves in different ways. Obviously, Volkanovski. One stepping up, he's putting that long winning streak on. He's putting up the pound for pound. Though I will say this, side note: if we have an all-time war and Volkanovski loses, there's a close back and forth. Could go either way. You could still make an argument for Volkanovski the pound for pound, being that he is the smaller guy, giving up the natural size and giving up significant size, even though the about ten pounds, it's going to be more than the ten pounds come fight night.
0: Um, <laughs> yes, and it, it,
1: it, 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 if it isn't, it might. It, it's not the right. Like it's different. Weight, like not all yeah. weight is equal. Um, so like that's what he's willing to risk for his greatness. But Makashev, one, he's not taking on the other guys, he's willing to fight the best guy in pound for pound. He's not taking on your Gaichi's or your vanilla D- Darius, which obviously a huge risk taking on those guys, anyways. But he said, I'll go to Volkanovsky's hometown, I'll go to his country, I'll go into Arizona. Enemy territory. And you're the champion. You know the UFC didn't ask you. You offered it. Yeah. Um, to me, just talks about the character in the. I shouldn't say character because that's obviously fighting is not about character, but it's the, the competitiveness of these guys and mm-hmm. the belief in these guys. And also, I, I'm all I, I love this fight and. I love it because to me, it it feels like when, when sports come together and you have guys who, besides being the best now, but I think guys that one day we'll be talking about as the greatest ever, like they're going to be in those categories. Like one day we're going to be asking, well, is Makashev the greatest light? Like I think he can go on one of these kind of runs and obviously Vulcan actually already has. When Tom Brady and Peyton Manning faced in playoffs, it was more special because – they're all time greats when if you're a tennis fan and Federer and Nadal faced each other or soccer or football, European football with uh, Ronaldo and Messi and whatever, whatever sport you're, when you have these, I feel like both of these guys can be that. Um, So that's why I'm super excited. As far as the skills go, um, I'll, I'll start with, with Makachev. We, everyone always talks about his wrestling and his wrestling off the freaking charts obviously but he didn't get enough credit for how good he has become on the feet i mean he battered charles Oliver on the feet before he finished him and we've talked about how great charles Oliver's stand-up has has come along mm-hmm. uh he's a southpaw that is elusive he's got fast hands he's got um he's 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 got high volume on the feet um I'm sorry, dude. I'm distracted. Let me back up. Back up.
0: Yeah, sure.
1: I'm gonna start over all over from. Is that okay? I'm gonna just start all yeah, over. Yeah, of course. Because I don't even know where I was. Because I actually want to see. You. Okay. All right. So we we always talk about his wrestling, and obviously his wrestling is is amazing. But they really need to talk about how good he has become on the feet in his striking. I mean, his last fight, he batted Charles Oliveira, who obviously we talk about how improved Charles Oliveira has been and how much of a threat Charles Oliveira began be on the feet. And Islam Makhachev was beating him up on the feet and then finally, you know, dropped him with a big shot. He's a southpaw who's he's elusive. He's hard to hit. He's got some fast hands. I do think he needs to pick up his volume a little bit, um, but that's it. Everything else is great. He sets up his shots with feints. Uh, his fade back left hand is so good. Uh, he, he can get inside and loads big shots. His it was right hook that blasted uh, Charles Oliveira. Uh, he's got a great kicking game. I mean, he lands kicks to all areas of the body. He he's got a great kicking game because he's not worried about someone grabbing his leg. <laughs> like go for it. Uh, very strong, dirty boxing game, which goes to do with his size. And and then we talk about obviously his ground game. His wrestling is is off the charts. Get inside upper body takedowns, shoot entries. Similar to you know Habib Navagamadoff, when we talked about this, where he explodes like he, he isn't the guy who ex- just necessarily explodes through the hips. He's more of a gets in the hips, turn the corner, s- single turns into a double, back to a single, working angles, chain wrestles so well that he's kind of just it's not necessarily about getting that takedown, it's about just getting you off balance and then just kind of you know closing that space. He's he's so good at that. Um, so good at winning scrambles. I mean, you look at—I I always mention this matchup because it was such a good one. Armin Sarukian, like the back and forth they had, was so good. He has those long arms and, and and long limbs that he also can get, um, you know, get his. He can have a bad shot and still get around your your leg or an ankle or something like that. His takedown defenses—I mean, it's rock solid. His top game is amazing. He suffocates his foes from on top. Squeezes the life out of you. I described him in the in the past like a snake. Great ground upon him. You saw how he battered Bobby Green in that fight. Uh, he is a legit submission threat. He subbed Dan Hooker. He made a black belt like Tiago Moises look like a white belt. And then he subbed the greatest submission threat in UFC history, the guy who has the most submissions in UFC history, in Charles Oliveira, with ease. Like that was the one year was like, oh yeah, uh, Machef's going to be on top, but you know he's going to have to worry about the submission game. Of Charles Oliveira. And again, I understand it was like a club and sub and that does change when your your brain's rattled. Uh, but you can see the confidence he has in his growing and he does have that like you know, I hate the comparison of him and be, but there is so many similarities. He has that chip. This Dagestan wrestling is better than everything. And I believe in that. Like I believe in that Dagestan wrestling like a Dagestan wrestler is a BJJ black belt in a high level people. I, like, I do believe that. Like it's it, um but then you go over to Volkanowski and I'm gonna be the biggest Alex Volkanowski like supporter as in not as like a fan, because you know technically I work for MMA media, but I mean like his skills, just watching his skills. Like I'm in like awe of this guy. He's a short compact striker who sets up his shots with feints, with cutting angles, setting traps, picking up his opponent's timing. Like a lot of the stuff that did, um Israel Assani does, obviously his teammate, but also like the, the you know, when Demetrius Johnson was flyweight champion of the world, seeing the little things that other people aren't seeing. He fights with great volume. He uses pressure to set up his counters. He's so fast and he might be even faster at 155 if he's not, you know, not draining weight, more f- fluid, uh, really good at beating his opponents to the point of the attack. Uh, going against like a longer guy, and Max Holloway he was actually taller than Vulcan, uh, excuse me, than Makashev. He was really good at like hand fighting and then kind of like grabbing the hands and pulling him, like playing like a tug of war with, with Holloway's hands to get him to let himself get inside, um, and land you know, hot shots against a longer guy. He's got an elite jab. Uh, he he does so well to set up his jab, his jab to set up his power shots. Uh, he destroyed Darren Elkins with a jab. He destroyed Chad Mendez with a jab. Uh, so much variety in, psych- in his striking. He's so well at, at keeping his opponent guessing, never never doing the same thing, never attacking the same way, never throwing the same combination. Or, you know, you see he'll throw this combination in the first minute of the first round. He's not throwing it again until the fourth minute of the fourth round. Like, you know, uh, I love that he works the body. He did some good body work. It's max holloway i keep going back to chad menace where he destroyed chad menace with body shots uh some of the best footwork in the game he cuts angles so well and he he never like i say not only does he never attack like the same kind he never attacks on the same angle like he's always cutting Uh, i watched a video uh, and it's a little obviously a little different but the mindset is the same i watched the video once of kyle dake and 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 i know you know who kyle dake is but um people who don't know who kyle dake is you're talking about multi-time world champion in wrestling four-time ncaa champion the only only wrestler in ncaa division one wrestling to win the ncaa championship in four different weight classes i mean he is elite of the elite of the elite of the elite when it comes to wrestling he's a freaking wrestling god okay Um, uh, both in internationally too like he's yeah. one of the he'd, he'd be the favorite to win the next Olympics um and I was watching a video of, of Kyle Dake, and he talked about um, cutting the smallest angles to not waste energy and unnecessary, like, movement, but all, but still get, get that angle to be out, off the line and, and 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 not coming straight at him. And everything that Kyle Dake does when he wrestles is for a purpose. Every little – the little smallest movement. And I feel like Alec Volkanovsky is the same way. Like, he's cutting and he's moving – And he's landing strikes, but everything has a purpose. He's not wasting energy. Um, and he's, he's used his footwork really good to trap his opponent at times land strikes land where they're trying to exit, uh, showed great lateral movement in fights, making him hard to be a moving target, like being a moving target to land. He's good at, uh, getting in and getting out before he can get counted. He's, he's got some good calf kicks. He's destroyed max Hollywood calf kicks. Um, I think I actually think throwing calf kicks would be really smart. Now, not going to, not going to the thigh against against because you don't want anything to get caught, but going down low to the calf, zap his zap, Machaev's um, power one, the power advantage he's going to have, but also like his ability to move, which would probably limit his ability to shoot. And and, and when I say shoot, I'm talking about like penetration steps and, and wrestling with shooting on the hips. The only negative, and I, I about. Volkanovsky's striking that I can think of is that he's not a one-and-done, land-one-shot, put-you-out kind of guy. Now I, I know he did that to Chad Mendes a while ago, but generally speaking, he, he isn't the guy. But moving up to 155, maybe he... We've seen this before. Guys get a little bump in power, so maybe he will have it. Now, I'm not expecting him to knock out Makashev with one shot, but uh he mixes striking and wrestling together so well. Uh, obviously, I'm not putting him on Makashev's wrestling level, but he's a good wrestler. Uh, he's he's he's. How I talked about uh, Makashev being a not like blast through your guy, more of a chain wrestle guy. Uh, he mokovsky is more of that blast through your guy. He he doesn't have that like okay, I'm gonna do a, you do b, okay, I counter c. He's not that guy, but he is just basically I can just drive through. He's just such a great athlete. He's frequently strong, like he's built like a pit bull. If he can grab a leg, you can go for a ride. Uh, he's hard to take down. Because one, he's super short and stocky, which is hard to get under. But also, he's constantly moving, so it's hard to time where he's going to be. Um, if he's on top, good control, mean ground and pound. But what, the big thing about him, and I'm, I know I've been talking forever, the moment doesn't seem to get to him. When he's in bad positions, he stays calm. I think about Chad Mendez heard him. He, 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 you know, he stayed calm when he when. Max Holloway made adjustments in the second fight. He stayed calm and made counter adjustments to that. When Brian Ortega had him in that deep submission, he found a way to not give up, not get submitted against Brian Ortega, who that's his game. Brian Ortega's whole career is get behind and then land at this Hail Mary. And he still found a way to win. So as far as prediction go, like I said, you know, both guys, I have such respect for these guys. I think the line is way off. Like, I give Alex Volkanovsky such a better chance. Like I said, this is what was the what was the what minus four
0: hundred plus three hundred. That's ins-
1: that is so disrespectful to Alex Volkanovsky, and I get it. I get all the physical tools that Makachev has, and he's a killer. He's a Dagestan killer. He's like I get all that, but this is still Alex Volkanovsky. This is still the in my opinion, the most technically sound fighter in MMA today. If I was laying a bet, now this is not my pick, but if I'm laying a bet, I think the odds are, I would, I'd like Volkanovski to win because of like, and what I mean, I want you to be, be very clear. I'm talking about the value. Like, that's what I'm talking about. You know, like, you know, I'm not saying I'm picking him. I'm saying the value there, like I'd give him a much better chance. So, That said, I hate picking against Alec. I hate doing it. I'm I'm such a believer in this guy. I mean, he's always we talk about the size. He's always smaller. We talk about, um, you know, shorter. He's been he's faced taller guys than than Maksud. We talk about him being like physically smaller, like stockier and muscle wise. This is a guy who's fought at welterweight, middleweight. Like he was taking on blockers in, in in rugby at 200 pounds and all this stuff. And he has this amazing confidence in him where he almost like wills things into existence that doesn't seem possible. And he's, as you mentioned, his intelligence is off the charts. I think he's going to put himself in the best opportunity to win. But even though I, I, he's really like, I really want to take him. He's a small featherweight. Like he's closer to being a bantamweight. And Makachev is a big lightweight, like so. To me, I can see a band weight going against a welterweight. Volkanov is going to need to put on an insane pace and out volume, and he could do that. He could be this target, you know. Maybe he's, he he gets taken down one or two rounds, he, he loses that, but he still picks it up and and builds and with ten more pounds and volume and cardio, he might be doing that. But until someone shows me that they can get off a bottom with of Makachev. I can't, I can't go against Makachev, so I'm taking Makachev. I just, I view him as Habib 2.0. Like I, I think he gets the takedown. I think he's just too big for Volkanovski. He holds him down in long periods of time. I think on the feet, I think we should have some moments. I think both guys can have moments, but at the end of the day, I'm going to go with the bigger guy. I'm going to go with Makachev by decision. No, you know, I know. I'm going to actually, I'm going to say Makachev. Uh, I'm gonna say he gets he gets a submission. Uh so he gets something like the fourth round.
0: I can definitely see it playing out that way. I'm not looking at the odds right now, but I, you know, if there is a prop for Makachev by submission, I'm sure it's not very generous, you know, like uh <clears throat> something intrigued me that Volkanovsky said a couple months ago. And obviously, you know, he's a we talked about what an intelligent guy he is, how well he game plans, and then how well he follows those game plans and makes in-fight adjustments. But he said, yeah, of course he's going to take me down, but I hope he's got more than that because I'm going to get back up. Volkanovsky's route to victory here is going to be attrition. Makachev has been past the third round once. And it was in a fight that he completely dominated from pillar to post. And it's the BJ Penn lesson. You know, if you're controlling the pace of the fight and you're not expending any energy that you don't want to, like even BJ Penn had plenty of uh, cardio to go into the fourth round of a fight. It's when you're having to take a guy back down who keeps getting back up or when you're having to keep back up on a guy that's advancing at you and pressuring you that, you know, your gas tank gets tested. Uh, Volkanovsky already has incredible pace and cardio. Those things should only get better at 155 pounds. You know, I don't know how close his walking weight is to 155, but I bet his weight cut is going to be trivial. Um, it, I, Volkanovsky's route to victory. Invest in uh, leg kicks early and often. Don't get stopped in the first two rounds. Like, make, make Makachev, like, work for his dinner for those early rounds then take over late when he's getting a little more tired. Like Makachev, in, in the times that he's been to the third round against like even decent wrestlers and ground fighters, thinking back to like the Sarukian and Davi Hamos fights, he won all those fights 30 to 27. But by the third round in both cases, he was having to work harder for the takedowns. Hamos actually uh, got up from bottom position at least once that that third round. Those are things that Alex Volkanovsky can do if Makachev starts to get tired. Volkanovski can fight off those takedowns if Makachev is losing a little bit of that explosion due to fatigue, due to his front leg getting marked up. I I know I'm going way out on a limb here, but...
1: Do it, brother. Do it. Do it. I almost like, did it. Like, like but- I said
0: at the beginning of this segment, if you were to take the set of physical disadvantages that Volkanovski has and come up with one person... To figure out a way to carry those to victory against one of the most dominant fighters in the sport, Alex Volkanovsky is literally the person you would choose. He's not choice one B. He is the guy. Uh, I mean, it's <laughs> nobody, nobody else.
1: Nobody else. The lightweights beating him.
0: Yeah. No. Nobody calls Volkanovsky an overachiever because he's on a 22 fight win streak. But on on one level, you can call him an incredible overachiever. Like five foot six, like featherweights are not supposed to to do this. And I understand why he's a huge uh underdog, you know. Makhachev. He's a huge
1: underdog against Holloway the first time, too.
0: Yeah. And because Makachev, one of the most impressive things about him is the normal dynamic in MMA is when you're a great fighter, and both these guys are great fighters, like no question. They're they're both great fighters. Normally you are just throttling everybody on the way up until you hit top 10 opposition. And then when you get the people who can really take care of themselves, you know, all of a sudden the fights become more competitive and you get decisions. It's been the opposite for Makachev. He had more decisions early on. And uh-huh. as soon as he ticked over to fighting top 15, then the top 10 fighters, he started finishing everybody viciously. And it's yeah, because uh, he's continued to improve. Yeah. Just to jump in. I, I got
1: to correct. I said he was a big underdog against Holloway. The front. He was only plus plus one forty five, but.
0: But still. Was,
1: yeah. Still. That's, anyways, carry on. Sorry.
0: Uh, like that's not supposed to happen but makachev has achieved it just because he's continued to improve he's grown in confidence his skill set has improved i mean you mentioned it we'd say it about oliveira but makachev's improvements in his striking is you know almost as impressive and this sounds like a, a cop out way to say it but i'm i'm not going to believe alexander volkanovsky is human until i see it yeah. like yeah. he's he's been finding ways to beat people with physical advantages over him noticeable size advantages for the better part of a decade now and uh give me alexander volkanovsky to become a two-division champ in an absolute classic of a fight and we will have all kinds of questions afterwards because it will be do we do an immediate rematch does volkanovsky go back down and defend his featherweight crown i love it the like everybody on the planet will be jumping up and down in their chairs with joy, except for Benil Darius, who will be jumping down <laughs> up and down in his chair. I don't I don't know if he swears. I know he's like super super no, religious, but you know he'll he'll tastefully kick the tires of his like hybrid <laughs> minivan.
1: Oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I'm I'm going with the big upset here in you, recognition man. that I'm stepping out on on a limb, but. I'm. I'm not trying to be hipster here. Like I really believe, Volkanovski is gonna ha, has a chance to win, and if anyone can thread that needle, it's him.
1: I was close. I was close doing it myself too, man. People who are counting out this a lot of people are just not giving Volkanovski any chance, and this is a done deal. And I'm. I'm not one of them, man.
0: And if Volkanovski wins, the recap is going to include it. Conversation of okay, where does he rank among the greatest fighters of all time?
1: Talk oh, it's, it's he's up there. Give me, yeah. the, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna put him in my top five. Yeah,
0: if Makachev wins, the, the conversation I mean, it'll sure. still be a great conversation. My first question to you will be, How close is Makachev to passing Khabib's resume? Ain't that far off, but at it's any rate, that
1: one it's that one oh that hurts him. That yep. one oh, well.
0: Anything else to say about this one before we wrap up?
1: No, I mean, I, 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 I could talk about this main event. It's, it's, it's incredible. Like we should have just did a show by just the main event. We could oh, should have my. did two episodes. Yeah. It's fantastic. I'm glad, I'm glad that you picked them. I'm glad we did both did the pick mark. I mean, I was, I was really thinking about doing it and you've got me, you've maybe, maybe I should switch my pick. <laughs> maybe I'll pick out up pick them on Twitter and, and brag, no matter which way it goes.
0: Here you go head Your bets. Uh, That is it. This has been the Sherdog Radio Network preview for UFC 284, Makachev versus Volkanovsky. I've been uh, Ben Duffy. He's been Keith Schillen. If this is your first time watching one of our previews, first of all, thank you. We hope you have enjoyed it. We do our best to bring you a mix of in-depth analysis and uh, the occasional goofy aside and historical lesson. Please do like, subscribe. Leave us a comment. Uh, Keith and I both man the comment section. So if you think one or both of us are crazy about any of these picks, if you have any hot upset picks of your own, please let us know. We'd uh, we'd be happy to hear from you and give you your props if those play out. Most importantly, join us for the recap. About 15 minutes after the main event on Saturday nights, Keith and I are live on the SureDog YouTube page. We switch chairs. Uh, Keith takes the host seat and we will break down all 13 of these fights in the reverse order of how we did them just now. We'll start with that main event, probably spend a good 45 minutes on that alone, work our way down all the way to the first uh, prelim, talking about what was good, what was bad, what was surprising, what was controversial, there's always something, and talking about what's next for some of the winners as well as losers, and most importantly, the live chat is open during that time, so we are taking your questions and your hot takes in real time, going back and forth with you during the show. It is uh, our favorite part of our job here for both Keith and myself, and we have a growing community of friends there that hang out with us after the fights, and we'd love to have you along. Between now and then, thank you once again for listening. Enjoy the rest of your week, and by all means, enjoy the fights.